Bing bong. Okay. I think I'm ready. Yeah, I'm good too. Okay. I'm, you, you go ahead, lead it off. There's, I'm just, I'm getting ready for the, the end of this. Oh. So, my <laughs> preparing movie, for this to wrap yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, already ready. Max already to get this done with. No, I got, I, there's, I got, I got a, my movie recommendations. Oh. I got, I got in my head a little bit of a, there's two, there's two avenues to go. So, uh, it's not like the road where it's just one destination. Ah, there's, there's a fork. There's a, oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> Believe that. Damn. <laughs> Do you ever wish you would die? No. It's foolish to ask for luxuries in times like these. Yes. Robert mm-hmm. Duvall. Robert Duvall from uh, The Road, directed Almost. by John Hillcott. It's funny because um, when the, the credits came on, I think to lead off the movie, I want to say, mm-hmm. or at least in the maybe it was the description they said robert duvall so my mind i saw the name and i go oh wow he's in this and uh you know it gets going and you just kind of forget mm-hmm. and then he, he he popped up i'm like who's this old guy i go oh it's robert duvall yeah yeah unrecognizable robert duvall yeah they do a really good job with making them look like a part of the world and it's not just like oh look celebrity cameo like yeah. they actually feel like they belong in the environment which i really like about that movie a couple of celebrity cameos in that film that we'll get to eventually cameos that are also build like they're actually on the poster well, there's only like oh really yeah there's like two there's only two well three people in the film because guy pierce is before robert duvall even though i'm pretty sure he has less screen time uh yeah, they're probably close. They're probably close. Well, Duvall's There's got not like much his at all. monologue, though, right? Like his little... They've got like the campfire scene, which I think right. it adds a little bit more to the context of the world than Guy Pierce. but we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> I'd agree with that, too. We'll get into it. Yeah, we will. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I just, I figured we'd have a little bit more of a relaxed kind of vibe with the podcast. I know it's been a long week for the both of us. So. Oh, man. We'll just kind of chat for a bit, you know, yeah. get going on this. So I've been playing. I was playing um, Tears of the Kingdom a little bit before you came over, the new Zelda game. There we go. Yeah. Uh, really great so far, although I'm only like maybe an hour into it, but I'm having a lot of fun. Nice. And I am trying to squeeze in as much as I can before I go to Yosemite. So I know that sounds like it's going to be super fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. My friends and I are going, and we're going to be there for about a week. So while we're recording this, I'm going to edit this and put it out and schedule it for release. So it'll still release on time, but I will be on the other side of the country by then. And then by the time I get back, I'll have enough time to watch whatever movie or movies Mac recommends for the show. Yeah, we got a couple different avenues. Yeah, a couple different choices. Some forks in the road, as my boy said earlier. Yeah. 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 But I feel like because we've been we were talking before we recorded about how busy we've been this past week. Like I really haven't had much time to watch any other movies besides the ones that we're gonna discuss. Uh, I actually so um, for work uh, we had a training summit down in Tennessee. So I was down in Tennessee last week, and I've been on a plane. I've been on planes quite a bit. <clears throat> the last I don't know. I've been on six planes and. Two days. It was a freaking hellish nightmare. Jesus. Uh, nah, I shouldn't say that bad. I mean, it reminded me a little of Home Alone, but 
we were supposed to come back Thursday. Plane got delayed, then canceled. Mm-hmm. So we had already returned everything, checked out. We had to go back, check back, like get rooms again, only to fall asleep. Um, next day, the plane that got canceled took off uh, to Charlotte, and then we get to Charlotte, and that plane going back to Grand Rapids got canceled. So it was like freaking rat race trying to find tickets, but your boy came out on top, sat down, grabbed my phone, immediately checked the app, rescheduled, got tickets while everyone was fucking panicking. <laughs> it was probably, it was rather enjoyable, but also just defeating. Yeah, there's like a weird sense of not adrenaline, but like you almost perform the best when you're under pressure sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And I, it, like I was very happy that I came out on top, but at the mm. same token, I was still upset that I was missing this point. So it was Preston's last day, uh, Friday. So I got back, and my parents dropped him off at the airport, and then me and him had to hang out for a couple hours before we got on a plane back to Tennessee to drop him off and then hop on a plane back to Grand Rapids. So all like, in all. Oh, hi, son. I'm doing a flyby. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grabbed him. We, we It was nice. We made the most of him. He was super happy to see me, and we went out and got dinner and whatnot. So... um it was you know making the best of what you got which has always been my attitude um but yeah i've watched i watched quite a bit of movies oh nice so i've I've probably watched like four or five movies in total that's more than i've watched this past week and a half two weeks or however long i didn't have a choice i hate flying too but hulu scratch that um streaming services you can download movies yeah so I, I downloaded, went through, started downloading all these different films. And uh, actually, one of them uh, piqued my curiosity to the point where it might get recommended. Okay. Yeah. So it, it very, Max keeping it close very interesting uh, movie. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. To the point, I, I don't, we'll talk. Anyways, we'll get to the end and I'll mention it. So it's either you're going to pick it or you won't. And if you don't, I'll let you know what it was. All right. Very interesting. Uh, not in a good way. Like speed two interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Well, either uh, way, I'm down for a, a fun time. But so. that it, it more than certainly would be. <laughs> I guarantee you that much. I've never been so confused. And I've seen this movie before. And I saw it way back when but uh, like it must have been like so long ago to where you didn't remember much about it nope nope i remembered it oh <laughs> like literally it was like i was like oh yeah this happens this happens and then it just ended and i was like oh maybe that's why my memory is so skewed of it because i was just as confused back then as i am now <laughs> well that's uh wow it's very telling i can't wait to dive in potentially yes uh depending on how things go yeah it's gonna be like a red pill blue pill scenario oh yeah is that a major hint for uh no 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 no. oh it's not the matrix no oh oh, gotcha gotcha um yeah i know when we fly out to yosemite that i'm i'm gonna try we're gonna try to download uh rrr and watch it because megan (laughs) hasn't seen it yet it's not a bad film that's not a bad film to have on a plane well also it's three hours long and it might it will more than help the time of flying because it's going to be like a four-hour flight or something we went to uh one of my buddies got married, and we went out to uh, Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was a two-hour, 20-minute flight. Yeah, perfect so gotta, movie time. I was about to say, i got to imagine Wyoming's got to be close to... Unless you got like a connector flight or well, something. Well, we're actually... it's um, We're flying out to San Francisco, so it might even be longer than four hours. 
I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh. who knows? Maybe we'll squeeze two movies. I'm <laughs> not sure. Jesus. RRR and something else. That's a long flight. Yeah, it would be. But it helps pass the time sometimes. For sure. Yeah. Um, I watched Spider-Verse last night. The new one. Oh, yeah. 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 That was... Yeah, I, I'd be curious what you think of it. Definitely take Preston to see it because he would have a he would have a real good time. I think so. When he was the first one came out when he was two, I want to say it was right around that time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when you watch when you're hanging out with a little kid, it's kind of hard to find the films that are going to keep them interested enough to where you can kind of breathe. Oh yeah. And that first one was pretty close. There'd be certain parts where you get into it, and then certain parts where it just faded out you know yeah i think this one amplifies a lot of what the first one offered while still maintaining like the same kind of tone and style it's impressive yeah it really is because the first one was pretty impressive Uh uh-huh i i recommend you go check it out it was it was a fun time really good theater experience uh and preston like i said will like it um even if he doesn't really engage with the characters or the story at least he'll like what's going on visually i was about to say he's kind of getting to that point where we can keep him somewhat entertained with like throwing you know a movie on and um his new thing is the flash so i don't know if if we're gonna see that in theaters or not Mm. i'm trying to you know it's one of the things where you try to figure out how violent a movie is yeah but i also threw we were at a campground for memorial weekend and they did this it was a pretty cool campground and they did this thing where they throw up an inflatable projector screen you know Mm. just whatever the white canvas or whatever but they had it where i mean it was it's pretty it's sizable and they threw on captain america the winter soldier oh yeah and i forgot how like Captain America straight up murders people in that movie. Rowdy that is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like he's throwing people off ships after uh, ships after knocking them out like off the hovercrafts and shit. Yeah, it's kind of. I don't. You know, I'm not gonna say it's negligence. I think that's <laughs> just kind of the line of work you're in. Like he can't yeah. save everyone. Mm-hmm. I just find it funny that <laughs> those movies. A lot of people forget that Captain America is kind of a monster. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, Civil War. They all. They really. They bring it out with the human interest story yeah but uh oh did you say civil war no 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 i i captain america winter soldier okay. i'm just thinking like they you're you're right and at the same token they do kind of present the this is what you guys are doing which i always thought it was kind of a fallacy mm-hmm. like you know you're you, you have to destroy you're destroying cities so like we have to keep you tamed you can't do it but at the same token like the people that are coming in are gonna kill everyone yeah so it's not like just that city. it's like it's like oh you <laughs> a third of the city is dead because of your actions it's like yeah but if we weren't there all of the city would be dead right like there's <laughs> some sort of philosophy at put in play like some altruistic thing going on where yeah. you know it's we have to say i don't it, it's always kind of it, ma- it makes me laugh i just i always think like it's I a agree. really weird argument to pick yeah you know mm-hmm. so anyways uh yeah so i might take him to see the flash because he was, he, we were watching Captain America, and he kept at. He goes, is, "Is the Flash in this?" So he's all about just, you know, <laughs> he's all about speed. Well, you know, and the funny thing too about the Flash is like, all right, I don't really condone Ezra Miller, so I don't want him getting attached to this guy and being like, "Oh, that's the Flash," you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Is it Barry Gordon? A uh, Barry Allen. Barry Allen. So you see Barry Allen, and you're like, "Oh yeah," and it's like, "No, that guy's a monster in it, real life." We're not. Don't know. Yeah. No, I would keep you physically like so far away from him, like yeah, on the other side of the planet, if I could possibly get that to work. <laughs> 
<laughs> if you go see The Flash, I might see it just out of curiosity of how messy it might be or just how it turned out because of all the different shit that's gone on with it's Ezra Miller. It's weird. Yeah, they, they, I think DC does good jobs. Oh, that was a movie that I watched was Black Adam. Uh, Try to watch. Fell asleep. <laughs> that movie's trash. Oh, it's fucking garbage. It was so... The Rock mailed it in. It's super turbo garbage. It's really bad. Like, that, really, really bad. I... I would love to talk about it. Oh, man. Can we talk about it for like a bit? Today? Yeah. Right now? Sure. Uh, go on with what you got because I'm going to tell you. Right, so, um, that's this so was, funny. I've been wanting to talk to somebody about this movie. Dude, I. So, uh, give you the context. Yeah. Um, I was picking. Uh, I was going to Nashville to grab Preston. So, the next day I was going to get him. So, I went on, on uh, a couple of rides and, uh, um, had a, had a couple of drinks to kind of ease the nerves, you know, and and got into Chicago and, and hung out with some people. Like I just meeting random people, you know, mm-hmm. sitting at a bar. Yeah, and it's just like small world stuff, you know. So we all started talking. I had a couple of drinks. So I was kind of like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm ready for bed. It's just been a long day. So I think I was up that day too at 4 a.m. because I had football. Yeah, and I think it's United or whatever one I went through had like in service movies mm-hmm. black adams on there can't find a movie i want to watch i'm just <laughs> trying to find something i'm like yeah i obviously can't like focus too much and like it's not like i'm sauce or anything but enough to like i just want to kind of watch something take it in cheeseburger give me a good cheeseburger i threw this movie on and it was like they forgot the fries and fucked like burnt the burger no it's like it's like you know what it is you know the episode of spongebob where they try to kill the health inspector with a bad Krabby oh, patty god that's exactly it. it's like that oh it's oh, <laughs> sock sticking out of it a fucking eyeball smushed oh, in there i couldn't it's I, so atrocious <laughs> I, I there was so many bad parts in the the acting was awful. The acting's awful. The special effects where they try to make the rock not the rock where he's not jacked but he just looks like a normal dude is really fucking jarring couldn't, and bizarre looking. Couldn't couldn't uh, dude. Like I couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> I, I I didn't. I got halfway through. I fell asleep with the thing running on and I woke up to like the telltale end of it. Yeah. Can't remember exactly how it is, but enough to like when I woke up, I was like, I can't believe this is still running and like this is the ending of it. Should this. we should we say spoilers for Black Adam real quick? Uh I, if you if you haven't seen it, you can skip to the to the next section, yeah, I guess. If you haven't seen it, yeah. If you haven't seen, this if you want trash. to see it, yeah. Because you're gonna inform me. I'm telling you, I got I got halfway through this thing and passed out. So I don't. So at what point did you fall asleep? Couldn't, dude. I couldn't tell you. There was it's like so they. <laughs> I didn't know who's good and bad, which I think is a really pro- big problem with this thing. Like the good guys are trying to stop Black well, Adam. I think it's weird because of the way the fucking Rock wanted this movie to be because. Black Adam inherently as a comic book character is a villain. Like he's Shazam's arch nemesis, basically. Yes. And that's how they were like trying to do this thing, but they were also like, we're gonna make him good in this like vacuum. Yeah, it's they do the thing with the superhero movies now where it, it just they don't go all in. They don't put all the cards on the table yes. where they say, Oh, we're gonna have an anti hero. Like he's gonna kill people, but it's like, okay, but he's still a good guy. Like he was at some kid's house that re- revived him and they're like hanging out and he's like trying to develop a connection yeah it's like almost kind of like a terminator john connor terminator sort of relationship they're going for except it's really stilted and just it doesn't develop anywhere everything that they talked about black at so like i don't know if we have to get into what like all right so we'll say i kind of want to i kind of want to mention something i was about to say we'll say spoilers i guess if there is one but i don't have any spoilers i'm just really 
I got so like conf- I think I got confused to the point I fell asleep because like <laughs> they were like he's everything they'd said was he's bad he's bad so the beginning of the film like they're they're part of a heist trying to find something mm-hmm. and they end up finding him right yeah it's, which it's weird because like the first half of the movie is like him waking up because of some something that happens in his tomb right and then the society of justice or whatever the hawk guy and yes um fucking Who are the good Pierce bronson guys they, right yeah they're like the good guys but they're they like, do like the really mysterious overtone of being bad well it's weird because they're like kind of the antagonist of the movie from black <laughs> adam's perspective but they're trying to say that black adam's a bad guy even though he only kills other bad guys that are worse than him like it's weird there's like a kind of struggle of ethics there going on, but it doesn't really get any deep with it. And then the second half of the movie is like him trying to fight this demon guy who gets the ultimate power and yes. has like the power of Shazam, but he's like the evil Shazam or something. Like it's weird. And there's something I want to talk about real quick that's a okay. spoiler. And yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you've gotten to that point in the movie yet. But Dude, God, I'm not watching this. Like this, They got as much out of me as I'm going to give them. Okay. If, if it turns into something where it gets recommended or someone's like, can we please talk? You just need to see it. Like on the sh- uh, Maybe. I, I think we're talking about it enough, but there's one thing I want to mention. So there's kind of a twist to the movie in that the whole time you're getting like these flashbacks of black adam with his son and uh they kind of they try to make it seem like the son character grows up to be the rocks character black adam right whereas later in the movie it's revealed that the rock is that kid's dad back in the day and the rock is like you know that's when he's like in his weird skinny kind of like cgi almost like Chris Evans Captain America 1 where he's like in the skinny body sort of thing. It's like it's kind of like that. So Dwayne Johnson's the dad character and then he has the son and then the son gets the power of Shazam and he becomes a buff adult kind of like, you know, Zachary Levi in the Shazam movie. And then the kid has to protect his family and it, the the mom's already dead at this point. Like they they got the mom, but he goes to like protect the dad and to protect to protect Dwayne Johnson, essentially, he gives him the power of Shazam. So he like holds him by the shoulders and goes Shazam, and then he transfers the power over to the Rock. So then the Rock becomes like his buff usual self with like the superhero physique, and then the kid turns into the kid again. As soon as the kid turns into the kid, he's like smiling at him, and like it's all like this kind of somber, heartfelt moment. And then out of nowhere, this arrow comes and goes and hits the kid in the shoulder. And the whole time The Rock is narrating this scene, like he's telling another character what's happening, and he's like, Yeah, but I couldn't save my son. And it just like comes out of nowhere, like really comically from like the ceiling. There's like assassins in the ceiling or whatever. And The Rock kneels down next to his son who's got an arrow in him. He's like, No. And it's like, I will avenge you. It's like super fucking corny and funny. I might have, yeah, I don't, I might have saw that, but I couldn't tell you. That was, I laughed so hard when that scene happened. Like the arrow just straight up comes out. Out of nowhere. It sounds it, like a satire. It feels like it's. <laughs> it feels like it's a parody. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they're kind of like. <laughs> it feels like it's 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 so goofily handled, and I can't take anything this seriously. This whole movie was goofily handled. It was ludicrous. But the weird thing is, it takes itself so seriously that it just it doesn't 
it doesn't add up it doesn't mean anything no it doesn't it really it is so bad and like it's it astonishes me that dwayne johnson asked for this thing to be changed because he fucking mailed this in so bad yeah he's not even he's not even trying he's not even trying he's not even like his weird charismatic like oh i will save the day and help you out little lady like it's it's not like he's his usual like charming rock self Probably. Even though he plays the same character in every movie, he's like literally a wooden block in this film. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that would that's doing wooden blocks a disservice. Mm-mm. I mean, yeah, the, Plank, is, Plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie had more personality. Oh, it was. Like, I remember watching this. I was like, I don't even know why I'm still. I still have this on. Like it was. It got to the point of curiosity because, like I said, uh, there's a lot of themes that clash, and I've never been a fan of the the story from the bad guy side but have him be the good guy to take the good guys out that you're making the bad guys yeah when in reality it's like okay the next movie black adam's probably gonna be worse unless we're like getting into like like if terminator 3 i mean that that came out and it was ultimately shitty but like if terminator 2 kind of kept up with that theme of you know we're gonna keep progressing this guy to being a good guy Mm -hmm. like maybe but yeah, this was just a steaming pile of shit. Yeah, and, and then they try to set it up with the superhero Henry Cavill cameo because The Rock wanted to fight Henry Cavill's Superman. We've talked about this before, oh, yeah, I know, but now t- that you've seen the mo- at least part of the movie, we have a little bit of context make sense to it. To me, like I don't, I don't get any. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense because he was supposed to fight Shazam, and then The Rock was like, "No, Shazam's not cool." Well, enough. he took over Shazam in his own form. It sounds like it, he did. <laughs> <laughs> like Shazam's not even in this universe. No, it's like they He wanted them to be so separate because he thought that Black Adam was going to be leagues above it, and then well, it and underperformed. Then, and then James Gunn came along and said, "Fuck you, fuck that, you're out of here." I don't blame him too because James Gunn knows what he's doing uh, is that a good segue i think maybe it is it could be yeah I, we could try it yeah we could try it i had i had another kind of like news thing to oh, talk do about it. let's do it and then i'll i'll come back to that same segue all right no matter how we end it i'll just say and james gunn knows what he's doing well i'm gonna segue back to our last episode where you announced that you're having a baby yes so congratulations i can't wait for you to give birth yeah I'm that excited is exciting about it. i've already put on the weight for it I, so. <laughs> i'd really be pumped out if i got this out of me through one shot yeah well speaking of uh having babies did you read about Robert De Niro and Al Pacino? No, dude. I, I okay. So I'm. I. I don't want to get into like how disgusting it is, and I'm not talking about like physicality. I'm. There's two trains of thoughts that run through my head because like I saw De Niro and I was like, oh, like, I guess you can still pump him out at that age, right? Mm. And I don't. I'm guessing he did. I don't know if they did something like in vitro or something like that where the chick. There's two trains of thoughts. One is that they got with this gal. They want to carry on the genes, even though it's like the ninth or tenth kid from both these guys. <laughs> like, you know, are they just racking up estate tickets, you know, just to get some money? Uh, the other weird, groomy, disgusting fucking thing of it is, is that like you've got these 24-year-old girls that are with 80-year-olds. God knows what these guys are doing if this is all like, you know, and I don't want to speculate yeah but like you know so i know for sure that al pacino's girlfriend air quotes is 29 years old and he's i think 82 yes or something like that and then robert de niro is basically the same age he's like yeah, se- he's like 79 80 and he got another girl he got a girl pregnant and 
they're both 80 years old. My line of thinking with it is they're going to be dead when that kid's 18. So <laughs> like, they're not going to have a dad. They're going to be dead when the, when the kid's like four. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like, like it's super irresponsible. It's like the biggest thing that I think I can coax yeah. from it is that you shouldn't be having kids when you're that old because that kid's not going to grow up to have a dad. Like agreed. Yeah. That kid's not going to have any sort of parental guidance in their life other than like the mom and who knows what they're like if they're sleeping with 80 year olds getting pregnant. Well, so here's my, this is how I, it's not everything, but like when you just look at things like this happening, like the first one to me is like, all right, was this planned or not planned? So if it was planned, I'm guessing not. I, I read about Al Pacino and it said that he didn't think that he could get people pregnant because he was so old, but it's like, well, you thought wrong. <laughs> so, you know, like, I don't know. The PR stuff, it's all, it's just, just creepy. Like, I don't, and it, it, yeah, creepy and irresponsible. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and, one, listen, and I don't want, I mean, I, I can imagine people just, you know, shouting at the fucking ceilings at me. If you're that old and you're hooking up with gorgeous women, like, great. Happy that that's happening for you, you know? But it's like, just be smart about it or plan ahead. It's like one <laughs> yeah. thinking of the kid, but two, like think of that chick, you know, I yeah. mean, there's so many different parties here that are at risk. And then you got these two guys that are like high-fiving each other. Cause they got another one on the way. Like still got it. Like, yeah, I don't know. One I, foot in the grave, the other, the cradle, well, I guess. And, if it's not planned, like all I'm saying is that I hope everything was over at dinner. They had a nice night out, you know, and that it was <laughs> it like was their anniversary. Yeah, and then you you just wake up. It's like, oh, can you believe that? It's like, well, how about it? You yeah. know, it's everything just everything about this just screams not good and PR cover up. Well, there's another line of thinking too that it could very well not actually be their kids, but then the women are saying that it is so that they can. <laughs> obviously cash in i mean if you're 29 years old and you're dating al pacino yes i don't think you're with him for his looks you know no that's what i'm saying so like if you're like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get this kid knocked up because or i'm gonna get knocked up to get this kid like now i'm in the will so i get a piece of the state and then you got 10 of those things well you cut 500 million 10 ways still a nice check yeah you know so like it all of it. it and that's what you know so i'm not going to even go on that side because the other aspect could be you know what do you uh gold diggers yeah so all, all of it is just it's not intact i'll just say that hollywood relationships in general are so kind of weird to me like some of them are pretty normal like uh Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz, like they've been married for so long. Yeah. But then you've got others like that or like Nick Cannon, who like has 12 kids with like 11 different moms or something like that. Can afford it. I I guess, man. He doesn't even remember all their names and he names them such wacky shit like Moonstruck or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's a whole different world for me. I'm totally detached that's from it not your vibe it's not it's it's not relatable to me in any way shape or form right i've always thought and i'll say it, i used to say it about you know band and stuff like it's just it's an incest pool because you're hanging out with those people so much mm. you know like i used to say band like everyone in high school dated everyone in band dated someone from band it's because you're, you're around them so much. I mean, yeah. two-thirds of the year, you're getting to know someone. And I think Hollywood's the same way. Like, sometimes, like, you hear about, like, some steamy scenes going on. It's like, I could imagine whoever got top bill got like was requesting, can you get this actress or could you get so-and-so? Like, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm, like, always singing, like, 
I wonder if they wanted them in this movie just to see him naked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just one of those things where... Yeah, and they're they're so fucking full of themselves. It's like, who cares what happens? I just ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want to sit here. And if anyone from Hollywood's listening, sorry if we. I know, hope they are your feathers. I hope they are. That'd be yeah. sick. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Isaac, if you're listening, uh, you know, call me. I guess I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll make a deal. Please we'll make a deal out. for the podcast. Please help me out. Um, speaking of helping. Uh, the whole time I was watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, I oh. wanted to help Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, because I, you know, that movie makes me care about a CGI raccoon, and we're gonna talk about it, baby. Yes. So, I will get the road. If yes. you want to tackle this, I got this one. All right, all right, Epic. sweet. So, uh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, we're in it, people. Spoilers ahead. Or right, do you do that after I do all this stuff? Um, you can just say spoilers now. All right, let's say spoilers now. Spoilers. Uh, written and directed by James Gunn, starring Chris Pat Pratt as Peter Quinn Quill. Uh, <laughs> <Are> you okay? <laughs> no, because uh, Gamora keeps calling him Quinn. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the first time he's like, she goes, "You were just yeah, making a reference." I got it, Quinn Quill. Yeah, whatever. And then she calls him Quinn again, and mm. he looks at her. He's like, "What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Are you doing this on purpose?" Uh-huh. Uh huh. Bradley Cooper as Rocket, Dave Bautista as Drax, Vin Diesel as Groot, Karen Gillian as Nebula, Palm Clemente. That's Palm Clementif. Palm Clementif as Mantis, <clears throat> and. Okay, Chiquiti Iwuji as the high uh, evolutionary. Yes. So uh, this movie, uh, does it start out with rockets already kind of... Rockets walking through the uh, nowhere planet that they're on. Right. Because that's their kind of home base now. And And he's listening to an acoustic version of Radiohead. Creep. uh, Creep. And and he's kind of... Oh, my God. I can't remember if he's got the flashbacks now. Anyway, he's walking through, and you're kind of getting to see the gist of nowhere and that they're setting up headquarters on nowhere. And uh, he's listening to it, and he's kind of seeing what the crew members are up to. And he sees Quill. Quill's drunk, and, you know, he's got to take care of him. And there's a little bit of a flashback in there um, showing how Rocket not necessarily became Rocket, but got selected for Rocket. And uh, <clears throat> anyways, uh, at Warlock, Adam Warlock right Mm -hmm. is that the okay um comes in just out of nowhere and starts wrecking havoc and uh strikes rocket rocket gets badly injured it's a life or death scenario and the guardians are tasked to save rocket's life and go down the path of discovering who rocket really is and what the high evolutionary is capable of doing um so that's it. And all the meanwhile, uh, Peter Quill is trying to win back Gamora, and uh, the team members are slowly discovering out kind of what their purpose is within the uh, Guardians group. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good summation. That was that was really nice. Yeah, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'd give you a hug, but th- I don't want to take my headphones off. No, it's okay. Yeah, sorry. Right. We're so right just, here. Yeah. Air hug works. Air hug. Yes. Here we go. Um, that was tight. I was very pleasantly surprised at how much i like this movie and i think it's probably the best one in my opinion since the new spider-man not like not uh across the spider-verse but no way home i think that it's Mm, okay in terms of like the mcu yeah i think it's one of the better ones that have come out 
I yeah, I have the same opinion. I actually <clears throat> uh, think this might be well. In my opinion, I think this might be the best uh, written one. I think this is number one. I think I can agree with that. Number one for me in terms of uh, one scope because of how many different characters there are. Mm-hmm. But there are several times it got dusty in the theater, which it's kind of hard to do with you know the mcu the mcu has trouble getting to those emotional punches sometimes but then other sometimes. times they really hit it you know like yes. with no way home there's a scene in that that really can get to you if you are, are attached to the characters there's this one obviously has a lot to do with rocket and his upbringing and yes the emotionality of that uh there's a couple different factors in here i mean one you've got i mean so rocket's story mm-hmm. origin story comes through which is very touching and they do a great job of making it sentimental and you really get to see the pain and hardship that rockets had but also uh between gamora and uh quill yeah you know it picks I'm, up that story from uh endgame where gamora <laughs> you know obviously if you're watching guardians 3 you know what happens in that well, movie uh, yeah we don't there's there's things that happen we can tiptoe and around it yeah well i I'm just playing. We're talking about this one, so I don't want to give too much away about other things. Gotcha. You know. Needless to say, uh, Quill is in a grieving process of sorts. Yes, and it's yeah, a hundred percent. But it's you know, but it's, it's a unique situation that like the person's still there, but they're uh, not. If you could there. just leave. It's like she had amnesia. You know, it's fifty first dates. Yeah. Except he doesn't. <laughs> She's Drew Barrymore. He doesn't have a chance to. It's he doesn't have the chance to really ignite what they had before. Yeah. And he's struggling with that. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. You know, he, he's getting drunk at the beginning of the movie, and you kind of, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, he was, he was, he was a little rougher on the edges. So you don't really know why he's doing it. You know, mm-hmm. and you've had so that. Not issue I had, but you've already had Thor Rag or Thor Love and Thunder come out. Yeah. And he in that one kind of hinted to have accepted what's happened. So I wasn't really prepped for this. And now that she, I mean she's back, I mean, could you imagine? Like I, I, I told Jasmine, I was like, I kinda there was a scene where they're talking and he it's one of those things where you're just like you're sitting there staring at the person and you're just being like, I I don't understand why this can't change like we, we like to be that close to something and and never have and that like one that's the one passion that he had the yeah. one love that he had being able to physically touch and see her and not have it there like I can it, only, yeah it almost would have been better if she was just gone completely yes because then then you're just li- then you can the actually memories. like work on moving on and yeah being at peace with it whereas like you look at the person being there and you know they're there but it's like you it's can't do so anything about it hard it is so like those conversations that have to happen you yeah. know and and i like the way they handled it in this movie i think they did a good job of not really they didn't really subvert your expectations but it felt like a natural character progression mm-hmm. for what the characters had been through like it made sense like if they had made it where oh it's a happy ending and they get together and they fall in love all over again it's like yeah but how do they do that, and would they be able to do that in a way that would feel earned and make sense from where the other characters have the, been and what they've been through? The one, yes, I think the one, the the biggest thing I took took away from this one was um, acceptance over things that you can't control, mm-hmm. and that's part of the hero's journey. That all, it's so crazy because all of them go through it. Yeah, even the villain, because the his whole motivation is he's trying to create a perfect world and. 
you can't really do that because I, as we see with this movie, Earth Two is it has a ton of problems, just like regular Earth. Yes, and <laughs> it's out of it's out of his control. A like walrus he, selling meth to some penguins—that's your idea of a perfect world. <laughs> I did. I was dying. Like they're going through this planet, and it's got such a happy song on. Yeah. And then they look over in the car, and that's just going, and they both kind of stare at each other. Yeah. There's just a mugging happening between like these anthropomorphic creatures. No, it wasn't a mug. He was selling them. Well, there might have been a mugging too, but there was one. They were selling drugs. Yeah. I mean, it 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 was. I I was dying laughing because the song's still playing, and they like kind of look at each other, like, "What the fuck was that?" Yeah. But the whole time, the villain is trying to control what kind of world he wants to make and everything around it. And yes. The more he tries to control it, the more problems he has, the more out of his control it ends up being. Yes. Because obviously what he's doing is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. But to kind of add to your point, like control is a very big theme of this movie. And it's kind of hinted at at the song that rocket listens to at the beginning the acoustic oh, creep, creep version yeah. where like i want a perfect body i want a perfect soul i want to have control like yes it's almost like a really good use of foreshadowing with that song being included it, plus i it's just a good song i've just been listening to it for like the past few weeks <laughs> it, it, we've yeah i used to have that on my itunes so as soon as that came on i was like oh yeah it's one of those songs too where i like the um uh the the you know the not the course, the rhythm, the beat, the you know, the the instrumental aspect of mm -hmm. it. Never having like really listened to the lyrics, and I remember a couple of years ago I finally listened to them, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to make of this song now because this is obviously someone that's not really comfortable with being who they are." Yeah, and uh, but it fits into the movie. It does, you know, and it's all of those characters aren't really they are and they aren't because well, they don't know where they stand. Well, even like the previous movies, Rocket Raccoon is constantly saying how don't call me a raccoon. I'm not a raccoon. Stop calling me a raccoon. Like he doesn't acknowledge who he is or what he is. And then finally, that arc is complete by the end of this movie where he finally does say like I'm Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, which is a very like kind of cheesy moment, but it's also like. Over the course of all these movies, it feels earned in a way, so I, I yeah. give it kind of a pass, you know? I was fine. Yeah, I agree. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm not going to... That was... None of this... Um, it's... <laughs> none of this, to me, felt cheesy, and I think, especially in these types of films, it's incredibly hard to have something come across as genuine and sentimental. Yes. Especially when you've got wacky spaceship going on. It's wacky spaceship, and the stakes are always so, so high, which is another thing that I thought this thing did a great job... Uh, which is why I liked it as well, is it took the Guardians of the Galaxy and made them the Guardians of the Galaxy. It wasn't uh, someone's going to crash into uh, the sun number 10 and destroy the whole fucking uh, black hole that we all live in. No. no, it was a guy, they're trying to save Rocket, and then they found out this guy's creating these planets that are he's populating with these people that are, I mean, the things that are actually living and just destroying them to create the perfect world. So it wasn't like... The stakes were only so high for that world. It wasn't for everyone's world. Yeah. And which is kind of like what I'd envision them doing. Because that's kind of always been their plight is that they're plucky and they go across and they help out other beings. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like that contrast of 
the characters and what they've done in their past versus grouping together and being better for the future, if you will. So, yeah, and that's something we've kind of complained about with previous movies where like you don't get a good sense of the scale for things and then you just can't attach yourself to watch ha- what's happening in the movie right. or the characters in it. Whereas this one, it has no issue doing that. It keeps the stakes relatively realistic for what they're going through. And I think above all else, the biggest reason why I really like this movie compared to most MCU films is that it just feels stylistic. It has a style to it that I think is unique enough, but still fits into that MCU mold yes. to where it differentiates itself to the point where, oh, wow, this is unique. This is cool. Like the way they film the action scenes or like the music choices, the different sort of aesthetics and the humor going on. There's like a little bit of almost edgier humor to it that you don't really get in other MCU movies. Like it just feels so above all the other ones for me in terms of like the style, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, Mm -hmm. I, and I'm just like thinking about too. the, the one thing that Marvel's done versus DC is they've leaned into the personality of the characters or the group of characters like Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark, Robert Downey does a great job of, portraying tony stark right yeah, that is a that is a tony stark robert downey jr movie right chris ev chris evans right yeah um captain america does a great job of kind of like nailing captain america's personality mm-hmm. you know I yeah mean, even he embodies if it, it exactly even if it's not a great personality he's believable enough as captain america mm-hmm. i think with the guardians james gunn had a vibe or a feel for how he wanted them to be or how he had interpreted that group of characters and he does a great job of giving them distinct personalities but yet fitting within the 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 mold of a team well you get a good sense that he cares deeply about the characters in the world that he creates i mean you watch you watch all the ant-man movies do you do you have the thought ever that peyton reed gives a shit about ant-man see that's what he's making those movies that's what i agree yes i don't think he does yeah like i don't think and i like um what what um scott lang i can't know i'm just oh saying, paul rudd paul rudd I, like, i'm sitting there i'm like just scott lang scott lang scott lang paul rudd does a good job of trying to be like uh you know a down on his luck con man that gets stumbles into you know having to do right mm-hmm. like but it it, it it doesn't always ring through in the style of the movies always come across as kind of kiddish yeah you know even quantum mania i've seen a couple times now because i just throw it on just to have it on i'm like it never comes across as being like you know, I don't. I don't exactly know how that that kind of style would go or mm-hmm. fit, but it, it always comes across as more geared towards like younger audiences. Whereas this one, I, you know, I don't think it comes across. You, you obviously have to be old. You know, thirteen. I think to see mm-hmm. this one, like you have to kind of get emotionally invested. Like you have to understand those relationships. Yeah. But you know, like you could be forty and still watch this one and still have like some emotional, you know, conflictions going on. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Where in some of those films, like like I said, Ant Man, not as much. You know, Thor, like YTT, right? Yeah, Taika Waititi. Yeah, Waititi. Uh, Waititi. Yeah, I like that one even better. <laughs> uh, with Ragnarok, does a great job. Yeah, with and, Ragnarok. And then I think Love and Thunder, he tried to take it to that next level. And I think he just overshot it. Yes. Like Severely. He, he was like, all right, we're going to really invest with the wacky, zany stuff. But he went more so with like his own kind of personality than with what Thor would have been like. Yeah. You know if that makes sense? Like mm-hmm. It was too much Waititi. 
uh, than it was Thor. Yeah. So I think we've, we're seeing some of the stuff come back uh, with the MCU, and I like I. I'm personally just gonna say I think the the first the first four levels of this stuff, all the all, everyone really hit that embodiment of the superhero that they were portraying, and we're having the, a hard time coming back to us. However, I will say this one, if it's signs of things to come, I'll watch another film. Yeah, you know, like I think that James Gunn is just a fucking master at his craft. No, yeah, it's 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 almost kind of weird how this movie wouldn't have happened. If uh, Disney didn't hire him back, because I w- I'm wondering how much of that had to do with him doing Suicide Squad, them seeing how much and like how much he cared about the characters in that movie, probably, and like put a style to that movie and said, "Shit, we need to get James Gunn back." I can only speculate because I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't either. I'm I'm just kind of running through the storylines in my head of like, all right, what? At the end of the day, what do you think brought him in? Usually it's money. Money, yeah. And the fact that there were so many other actors involved with the project that were going to quit if James Gunn wasn't hired back. Batista Specifically, Batista. Was he like, was like super vocal about it. He's like, I'm not playing Drax anymore unless you get James Gunn to at least write the movie. Yes. And that's, I, yeah, if you see that sort of support too, it's kind of hard to be like, so you have the smear campaigns that come out or whatever on his name with what he did, right? Mm-hmm. And he kind of he was like, you know, whatever. This was a long time ago. Blah 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 blah. Whatever, you know. So if you don't have that support, those smear campaigns tend to hold up because people don't defend you in the media. Yeah. Now he must be either a great guy, a great writer, or just good at what he does. That he earned the respect and the support from those his those cast members. Yeah. Because like Batista stood right up, and I'm guessing a couple other ones did too. And you never know. I mean, they could be like, "Shit, man, that dude's really fucking good." I mean, who cares what he said? Let's just go out and make this film. Or they're like, "Hey, like, you know, he's a great director. He's a he's a great leader. We'll follow him into battle, and he does such a great job with these things, and he makes it so easy to be on." Like, I mean, you could you imagine being on this film and having another director and doing like four different shots when he's like, "Nope, one's good." Yeah. Like, it would drive everyone fucking nuts. They probably, yeah, they had a lot of respect for him, obviously, because, like, every main actor signed the letter to Disney and Marvel saying, we would really like James Gunn. But I, I'm paraphrasing, of course. Right, like, right, I don't remember right. exactly what it said, but it was yeah. basically saying, like, Spoilers. you need to get James Gunn back. Yeah. Um, What do you think about the weird kind of criticism this movie and James Gunn is getting specifically about him including his family members in his movies, like his brother who plays um, Craglin, Sean Gunn. He's the guy with the fin with the... Oh, that's his brother? Yeah, that's his brother. And then I think his wife is in the movie. She's the red chick that they hold hostage for. Really? In that like second act of the movie. Oh. There's like a weird amount of criticism that he's getting for including his family members. And it's like, one, he's done this with every single one of his movies like he's had the same people in all of his movies like i'm pretty sure michael rooker has been in every single one of james gunn's movies in some way yes and two hollywood just does that all the time anyway like why is it james gunn specifically that people are targeting for this is it like the snyder fans that are coming out because they don't like he's taking over dc uh, like what's going on i think it's it's more in line with um I think it's more in line uh, when you have a hard time finding criticism with something. You nitpick. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to think. There was a. There's. There's been a couple movies that like you know. There's. They're 99 on Rotten Tomatoes when clearly they should have been 100. And out of every review, one gives them a negative review. 
they just do it to do it. Yeah. I think that's kind of this effect because I didn't, I mean, you'd have to look it up. If they don't have that shit in the second Guardians, because I know that the Finn guy, was, I don't even know his name. Sean Gunn, Craglin. Craglin. He was in that one. Yeah. And his, he's been in all Guardians the, movies. That's what I'm saying. So, and he, but what I'm, I guess in the first one, he didn't have like a huge role in it. Like no. a couple speaking lines. Like this one, he actually had a prominent role. Mm -hmm. In the second one, I think he had somewhat of a prominent role, like playing next to Michael Rooker. Yeah. Like I remember him being in the second one. I mm -hmm. just, I don't remember really much of the second one. Um, so yeah, if if you go if if they didn't bitch about it, him in the second one and his wife in the second one, then fuck him. Like that's I'm, they're just it's doing it a, to do it. It's such a weird angle to criticize. It's called the movie. negging, is what it's called. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. Is that the is that the new lingo? I'm not up to the zoomer negging terms. Is a like a psychological thing, like when you try to like like take control. And I don't want to say take control of someone, but like you find a fault in someone, so they desperately seek your approval. Mm. And what ends up happening is that you just keep nitpicking at it. So they keep doing like more and more things to be like, you know, please accept me. Yeah. And then you kind of get them into the saying where now all of a sudden you can do other, you know, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be like a flirting tactic. Anyways. So they're flirting with James Gunn. No, I, they're nagging him. <laughs> so he's like, he's coming out and he's got to like, he's got, so like TMZ will come out. They'll say some shit like this, right? Mm. James Gunn's now got to come back out and say, no, 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 this is why I did it. Right. And then they go, oh. So now it's about this. He goes, no, 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 no. I know that you said that. Like, so it just turns in this thing where yeah. I, I bet you, like, Wall Street isn't fucking coming out and being like, can you believe James Gunn's family members are in this film? It's probably like fucking like low level like tabloids that are saying this. Stuff. It's like weird people on Twitter and yes. like online forums that have yes. like. A, they had an issue with James Gunn already because of something, you know. Well, it so could be what they he have said. to find. They have to find. Well, what he said, or like, like I said, it could be Snyder fans who are sad that he took over DC and not yeah, Zack Snyder, which they they exist. <laughs> I've seen them before. Yeah, but I mean, like, even like, will you find something else if you're a Snyder elite? Like, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. It's I, it's it, definitely sad. It's. <laughs> <laughs> It just it blows my mind. Like that. Also, I will say this. You know, you got a really good movie if the they're nitpicking. Like the only thing they can find. Like, like you walk out of the theaters, like it was all right. But can you believe that? Yeah. Like if that's the one fucking like criticism you got, like you made a decent film. It's yeah. It's such a weird weird angle to criticize it. But yeah, no. Like just kind of jumping back into the movie itself, I guess. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it made me want to go back and rewatch the other Guardian movies. Just um, because, like, I, I like the characters and where they go. I like the fact that they keep all the same characters, but still, like, they introduce new ones. They have a good dynamic. It doesn't feel like any of the characters are really, like, shoehorned in, at least to me. No, agreed. And I think that it does a really good job with those dynamics. I, I definitely agree with that. I think I just, I just have a hard time with that second one. The second um, Guardians movie? Yeah. I, I do, too. It's my least favorite. That's what I'm... Like, I just... I have such a hard time with it. And I think they try to give a little bit of Quill's origin story, if I'm mis yeah. not mistaken, with the, his dad, Ego, and it turns out... Or is it Ego? Yeah. And he's got a bigger... Like, but is he taking over the universe in that thing, too? Like, isn't he, like, the... Supposed to be, like, almost God? Yeah, because Ego, basically, he, like... He plants his seed on other planets, and then he like 
he'll activate something and then he'll be able to take over those planets right or whatever like it's something weird that's what so and then he tries to get quill to join him and then quill's like no that's evil and then he you know and that's right i like it's like one you have the origin story and two the stakes are too high yeah like i I really like this one and i get the one example that i kept thinking of it reminds me of uh rogue one Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen it or not i have not it it fits into the Star Wars franchise, but it's just a little event that happens. It's kind of like the insinuating, uh, oh, like the igniting event. Yeah, exactly. For at least like what came out in the seventies. So, but in terms of like grand scope, it's not. It it is. It would be in a history book, but it have like four pages. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think it helps that they keep the mission of the movie clear and consistent throughout the entire thing. I mean, the whole movie they're spent trying to save Rocket. And yes. they don't really deviate from that goal. Like there's things that branch out and happen, exactly. But the goal is the same throughout, right? And I think that that really helps it. It does. It keeps it consistent, and it's, it doesn't feel like it's messy. No, it does. And they're and uh, they're discovering, and it's leading them down a path to where they go. And the reason why Rockets hurt is because this guy came back and wanted to get him. So you know that they're eventually going to cross paths. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it does set it up, but the Guardians don't really know that that's what's going on. Yeah, which makes it it makes it fun. I think <laughs> the, like the only gripe I had was how long Rocket was dying. Yeah, they're like we got forty eight hours, and I think five or six times. Like Peter Quill's like, we gotta save. Let's go save Rocket. Yeah, you know, it's like they're back. I could see that as like kind of a repetitive structure of the movie, but at the same time, I do appreciate the flashback scenes. Also, yes, I those are good. Those are good. Those are touching. And I like. I really like the guy who played the villain, the high evolutionary. That is so funny. I was not. Really? That's funny because one of my coworkers said the same thing. I don't know if it's just me, but I really like how different he feels from other MCU movies where, like, he he's kind of, like, just a mustache-twirling villain, essentially, yes. but also he's just batshit crazy and he just screams the whole time. And I don't That's know. That's what I, I didn't like. <laughs> see, I... I kind of like that that was like that because they don't try to give you like any sympathetic angle with it. They don't try to make you feel bad for him like Kang with Ant-Man or anything or Thanos. Like he's just a villain and he's just evil as fuck and they have to kill him. Right. That's why I guess I'd set. It seems like part of the pun overkill. Um, (laughs) Nice. That was an eight (laughs) out of ten at least. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) That's rewatched. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Go. I, I. yeah, no, but I was just saying, like... I'm a little I, different yeah. on that. And that's okay. You know, we're yeah, all a little different. Yeah, and that's fine. And that's all right. Um, um, Everybody, this is Max's last appearance on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining. Um, But, yeah, other than, I guess, that, I think everything else about it I just really like. I have a hard time with guys that just are screaming. I've never... And I've met some crazy people. Mm-hmm. I've never run into people that are just that passionate where they're always yelling. But on a flip side that you just made me think of was this is probably the most humanistic villain we've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like Kong wasn't like that, right? Like he never yelled. He never got upset. Thanos never screamed. Like no, none of the villains, like every time they're always so fucking stone cold. Yeah. Where you could see this guy kind of losing some of the wiring. Yeah. You know, which I will say I like that better because it even gives a better feel to this thing being more emotionally driven. 
grounded. Yes. I was gonna. I was gonna say. Yeah. And in the same token, yeah. Because yeah. It's not like Thanos. Like, well, one. I mean, it's Thanos. So you're just staring at him. But like the what, how he acts. Like it's like so. Uh, sociopaths are always different. You mm-hmm. know. But it it takes you away. Like you're like, all right, I am definitely on another planet. Where with this one, with the the way the guy was acting, with that some of that anger and raw emotion that he had going on it. Like it definitely keeps it a little bit more grounded, where you're not like, all right, the universe is going to cave in on itself. Yeah. Well, it know? also helps too that they have like a personal stake with that character specifically with Rocket's history, mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of other villains are like, they just come out of nowhere and they're evil and they have to be stopped. Like, uh, I don't know, Kang. Like, I guess he had a history with Michelle Pfeiffer a little bit in that movie, but right. other than that, like Paul Rudd, he, he couldn't give a fuck who Kang was before right. that, like. They had no personal beef, whereas like this movie, it's like there's a history there, and yes. I think that helps. I think that helps me like the villain in relation to the characters a little bit more. Whereas like I can kind of see what you're saying, where like just the one note screaming, you know, psychotic villain that can get a little old. I didn't really yeah. have too much of an issue with it. But. I don't. It, it was this guy wasn't like one note, but it, mm. it just kind of it got to a point where I was like. All right, he's just doing a lot of yelling. Yeah. And I just don't know people that just are like that. So, it, I yes, not to say it took me out of the film. I just thought it was a little over the top. Yeah. There was a weird kind of, not expectation, but I almost kind of prepared myself for Rocket's character dying because... Oh, same. I I had seen, like, some reviews here and they're just, like, passing through the, the pages of the internet and, like... People are posting about Rocket and like talking about him in this movie. I'm like, oh great, he's gonna die. Like, I, I'm preparing myself, and I I know that that's gonna come. And so when he doesn't die, it's very not surprising. But I'm like, oh, they don't do that. They don't do what I thought they were for sure going to do. And that's kind of I don't want to say pleasant, but like I don't know. It's unexpected in a way for me, just because of like my expectations of how this movie was being reviewed and talked about. You right. know. Yeah, that's why I stay away from that stuff. Yeah, um, well, some I try to too, but sometimes it just pops up. Right. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to. So I guess when I say I was prepped for Rocket dying, it was more so of like they did this and and they did this in another one of the MCU films, mm-hmm. you know, and on a on a much larger scale. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. I was just kind of like, it got to a point where I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. I don't even know if I'm ready for it, if it does happen. Yeah. You know, like if you would have, if that thing, there's one thing that I've really, I've seen uh, is that when the raw emotion does pop out and the actors convey it really well, Mm -hmm. Chris Pratt, I thought when that whole thing. This is like the most emotional I think he's been in a movie. Actually, like good acting. Like it's decent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's a lot of it, you know, I mean, he gets into some believable parts. Yeah. And especially at that point, it's like. Oh, shit. He does a really good job playing Peter Quill. And it's like movies like this and scenes like that that kind of make me separate him from actors like The Rock or Ryan Reynolds where they're just playing the same character. Or Mark Wahlberg. I like Ryan Reynolds, though. Mark Wahlberg. He's good at what he does. I will say that. (laughs) Yes, I was about to say. And he does it and he knows he's not... Yeah. Anyways, he, he knows he's got his. There's fans. a difference between Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, and like one of them having some self awareness. Yes, uh, that's what that's what I will say. But my point being is that Chris Pratt in this movie, I think he sets himself so far apart from that. Still, right? Where I have to sit back and go, like that was good. It was good. He, yeah. I mean, there was some scenes of this where I mean, he, you can see. I mean, 
you can see it in his eyes mm-hmm. you know and i know a lot of acting it's a lot about all that stuff and and you know the, what comes across but there are times where it's pretty and i could relate mm-hmm. you know I've, I've known i've seen some of that pain before and like that just what he's kind of talking about and what he was going through you know and and like I, could, I was like damn like that's it's pretty good yeah and i know? liked i liked uh bradley cooper's voice acting for rocket in this movie yeah I think he did a good job and of course the goat the greatest of all time vin diesel you know he <laughs> killed it again as groot oh where he just says i am groot you yeah know? uh and then he says something else towards the end which i won't say yeah but, you know watch it for yourself and uh, experience the vin diesel love as, oh the as I song like to say. that was a great song very at the greasy end. Um. Yeah, it was a fun time, and they really hit every. I mean, every spectrum on the emotional board. Yeah, you know. Uh, I guess we can kind of wrap up. Was there anything else we wanted to say about Guardians Three? I mean, I, I, not really. I'm trying to think. Like some of the negatives that I was trying to take away, I I didn't have too many. I mean, I really. No, I this, didn't really either. Like this in John Wick Chapter Four really surprised me for. It used to be a joke that sequels were always bad and they were the lesser of the first one. Yeah. And uh, the, these, these, a couple of these movies that have come out have really fucking said, fuck that trope. You yeah. Know? They've really, uh, they kind of set themselves apart from that sequel curse. Yes. Which is r- nice and refreshing. And I feel like that's happening a little bit more often now because it feels like there's more consistency between sequels and the people who make them. Like, you'd get a hit movie and then. Like, four years later, they realize, oh, shit, that movie was a success. Let's make another one. And then they get, like, a different director or, like, yeah, a different writer. writer. That's the one I was going to say. Or the guy that they have, they bring back, has way too many ideas, and they pulls ideas from the first one and crams them into the second one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole recipe on why they're bad. These, these couple that have come out have had their own storylines and have already embraced the backstory and really don't try to force feed you what's happened before yeah they still do a decent job on you know with the exposition like even this one there's a couple points but they each have their own arc and it's earned but they still carry over elements from previous movies that are important well, or in play case, a role. Like, first time seeing they always have to do it. if your first time seeing the film they have to have something come back where they kind of enlighten you on what's going on mm-hmm. and the one the really the nice one they did with this one is with quill and gamora on the planet and he's just going off on why he's so mad at her and why she can't remember and he goes through all the events but it's it's it was done in such a way that's you know it's how you feel it mm. wasn't like him looking at a picture and then talking to rocket and then going like do you remember this and like <laughs> reciting it and then going oh yeah and then we did that and then they have a hearty laugh yeah like, huh, good time yeah and it's like that doesn't really, you know, no, not not in a genuine fashion. No, so and I'm, I'm glad for it. Yeah, um, we can get into ratings. I can go first. Yeah, because you're probably gonna do the road first. Yeah. All right. Uh, I give this one a nine out of ten. Wow. I think it's. I That's think it's a great. good rating by Kyle Yates. Uh, yeah, really good third entry. I think it's. To me, I think it's at least on par with the first, maybe slightly better. I really like the first one for how tight it is and how kind of close knit and introduction of those characters it is. But I like this one really a, a lot. You know, oh, yeah. English is failing me right now, but you Sorry. get what I mean. Yes, I was about to say, <laughs> definitely not said in Russian. I like this one a lot. Uh, it's good, and I think you <laughs> should right, watch it. All right, Dwayne, careful. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, he throw in like an Ar- Under Armour sponsorship in there or something. I don't. We're not talking about Black Adam. We're forgetting Black <laughs> Adam. The movie never was. Let's made. move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having flashbacks. Um, no, I gave this a nine out of ten as well. Nice. Um, I so like I said, I think this is the the best written MCU movie that they've had. Um, I also think this one is right up there with uh, Infinity War and Endgame. You know, mm-hmm. and I think. Honestly, to me, it's probably between Infinity War and this one. I mean, just in terms of how well they're able to keep it in the MCU universe, but not follow that path at all. Yeah, you know, it's very much its own contained thing. Yes, and the characters are very much their own contained thing. Yes, and it's really all the better for it. Yes, so nine out of ten. Thought this was fantastic. I think this is better than the first. I mean, I'd probably go three, one, two, and this, and and. I've I've watched one recently. Yeah, I might be the same. Like one's one is good, but this one is so much better than one. One's a great origin story or setting up the Guardians. Yeah, like you know? a, oh yeah, origin story movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, and I, I I yes, yeah. Setting up that whole new venture of space MCU. Yeah. Um, speaking of space, ain't no way in hell these people are going to space anymore because everything's dead and everything's gone and all the world is desolate <laughs> for some reason or another. Yeah. I'm talking about The Road directed by John Hillcote. Oh, I guess it is Hillcote because it's spelled like coat. So John Hillcote uh, directed this film. It is an adaptation of Cormac McCarthy's novel that came out in 2006 also titled The Road. It is a post-apocalyptic survival film that stars Viggo Mortensen. You might know him from Lord of the Rings as Aragorn, our boy. Believe that Strider. We, we got Cody Smith McPhee, who was in uh, Power of the Dog. He's been in a couple films. He's, he was also in Elvis for like a hot second. Yes, he's been in a. He, he's got a recognizable face. He um, does. I don't know. It's I, almost kind of the same as in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know if that guy's going to... It's like he's got an acting just because he was in this film, but I don't know if he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, we've got Robert Duvall, Pier- Guy Pierce, Charlize Theron. A <laughs> She's pretty <fit> Bill. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's weird. There's a decent cast in this movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all got two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a reason for that. So... Uh, basically, the summation of this movie is that an apocalyptic event has taken place, and the whole world is kind of burnt to an ashy crisp, and plant life is gone. There's barely any food. All the people, well, most of the people that are left are either dying or are cannibals by that point. And this movie follows Viggo Mortensen as the father, and he is with uh, Cody Schmidt McPhee, who is the son. And their goal is to cross the country so that they can make it to the coast in the south. And they yes. have to carry the fire with them because they're the good guys. Yes. So Which is a fun it was a fun fun aspect. little through line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um so I read this book. Did you? Probably Humble brag. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, it's been a long time and I I had hadn't read it since um probably like two thousand eleven or something like that. When I was still in high school. And so there's a decent amount that I remember from it because it is one of like my the best books that I've read. But it's still some time had passed. 
And I had right. watched this movie before. I watched it, I think, like, probably like 2012, like a year after I read the book. So, like, the book was still really fresh in my mind. It's a good, that's a, that's a good. And this is like, this is one of the more closer adaptations from book to movie that I think I've seen. Whereas, like, something like Children of Men, like, is almost kind of like a similar film. There's like a dour, kind of depressing aspect to it. The book is very different from the movie, and the movie's better for it. But <laughs> with a movie like this, I think it really captures the tone of the book and what the book was kind of going for really well. Like, the world and the characters and how the atmosphere is, is almost exactly how I pictured it when I read the book years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 <clears throat> for everyone listening, I've not read the book, so yeah, I'm about <laughs> to say something. I'm just not going to go that route. Okay, uh, <laughs> you're not going to go down that road. Nope, not doing it. All right. Uh, yeah, so I can only imagine, uh, actually, kind of imagine since I've seen it on screen, uh, that it's close to the book. I've read. That it is. The, it really is. The director really wanted to hold that. Uh, the adaptation close to as close as he could to the book as possible. Yeah, he wanted it to be faithful in at the very least the tone and the atmosphere and the kind of sort of through line that they were going for, which was like you're following this father and son and they're going through the apocalyptic world of it and just trying to survive. And post-apocalyptic stories are, I think, some of my favorite type of stories. I think I've said that before on the podcast, but there's not a whole lot that I think really captures how bleak or hopeless or very like kind of white knuckle survival it could be uh, in a world that is realistically portrayed in that way you get movies like mad max and they're like a post-apocalyptic movie but they're goofy and they're stylistic yeah and they have a tone that's kind of over the top world war z is like an apocalyptic movie not really post-apocalyptic but you get the same sort of sense with that where it's like, okay, zombie survival. Like, zombies inherently are just a little goofy. Right. This one, there's, like, no goofiness. It's very serious. It's very dour in a lot of what it shows. And I really like that it does that. There are some points in this movie where it can kind of feel too melancholic, I think. Where there's just... And maybe it's, like, a nature of the book itself and, like, Cormac McCarthy's writing style. But there's some things in the story where... There's just a lot of depressing shit in it where it's just for the sake of depressing. At least I, could, I, I feel I'm, like it can get into that territory. I was about to say, I, I, I definitely, I think it's tough. And I was thinking about it, um, watching this thing is, is, you know, we're also accustomed to systems and government and procedures that post-apocalyptic films are the closest that we could get to our sort of reptilian brains as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And there's really no way to describe. I mean, you're marching to your death, you know, and it really isn't. There's no signs that anything's coming back to life. So it's really just a story about survival. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's interesting. Now, I think what makes this one a little bit more it's tougher to watch is because they strip the animals away, you know. So I mean, there's really no hunting. I mean, it's at the you know at least in the caveman era. I mean, you had dinosaurs are fucking whatever to kill i'm yeah. not i'm Antelope. not a historian <laughs> yeah. yeah you know shit like that i'm not a time traveler kyle yeah. <laughs> you're asking a lot of me here yeah i'm, I'm not making assumptions <laughs> um so i with with this one i it's funny it's just like you're watching it's like well how do you not 
there's so many different things. It's like what, so you you strip a lot of the stimulus away from people, but I guess at the end of the day, I mean, they do take away the food aspect. So that yeah. would, that makes it tough. I mean, like yeah, I this whole movie had a very melancholic vibe, and you know the it's almost like the antag- antagonist of the film is just surviving. Yeah, which, it's one of those movies where it feels like the setting is a character. Yes, and, and I think that that very much comes through in this sort 100%, of film percent. But it also makes it very tough because mm-hmm. it's one of those things where no one here. I mean, unless you're like a POW survivor, you know, like it's I, it's very hard to relate. Well, to it's it. it's very like. I don't want to say immersive, but it does kind of put you in that world. And the characters are, I mean, the characters are named like the father and the son. Like they don't have names. Like oh, they're they, very much like a vicarious vessel that you can put yourself in and go like, yeah, it's, this is what would it, this is what it would be like if I was in this situation. And I think by nature, post-apocalyptic movies are just kind of like that to some degree because it shows you like, what if like the whole appeal of that, genre in a way is like what would happen if this happened right. like what would i do if i was put in this scenario you, yeah so i mean it's either like i kill myself or i mean we just kind of keep going on yeah it's a, that's what i'm saying it's one or the other it's a story of survival and it's survival at the most rudimentary level i think where a lot of post-apocalyptic stories can be really good and appeal to you is because they're post-apocalyptic the event has already happened you can have so much room to focus on the characters and the situations those characters are in. Whereas right. you take a movie like World War Z or Day After Tomorrow. I go World War Z. We, it's, it, but you like, can probably take that one out. But I'm, I'm saying like a, a an apocalypse movie versus a post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah. Whereas like those movies focus on the disaster itself right, and then the characters and the story are kind of well, ancillary to the events that I are know, happening. I know, I'm just saying like those, you're involving zombies. So I mean, if you're going to go the apocalyptic route, like go with like a natural event or something that would be... Like Day After Tomorrow? Is that the... What's the... After, That's the Jake Gyllenhaal... I the, watched that on the plane. The big freeze. Well, they, it's not apocalyptic. I'm thinking like apocalyptic being like ending of ending. You know, like th- that one, like it's, it's, society continues on. There's still food. I mean, yeah. it's not like everything, like there's no animals. I mean, everything you're talking about systems and governments being destroyed, but and can be replaced. You know, like this one, I'm like the apocalyptic movies or post apocalyptic movies. I think what drives me into it is more so of how society functions after it, mm-hmm. you know. And with this one, it's not necessarily society, it's just the survival of two. And you could say they're stripped of their identity, right? So it's easier to project. So, yeah. you know, that's where I'm like, it's, and this is a very realistic look at what would happen yeah. if this were to occur. Not to say, depending on the events that happen, because this one, you don't really know. They yeah. Don't, and, and that's it, a big reason why I like this movie and like the story itself. Like it, even in the book, yeah. you don't get a reason why things happen or the apocalypse. Because they don't want you to focus on the, the how it, it, it Exactly. Right? And like, that's kind of what I was trying to get with, you know, comparing it to world war z or day after tomorrow is that like it doesn't focus on the event it focuses on the after and the characters and like all right we're here now we just have to make it i guess yeah like i'm the only one that comes to my mind because i think it was so closely is the book of eli i don't know if you've seen it i i did actually a few months ago yeah yeah that's the closest one i can get to this where that's another one i think they 
maybe nukes have gone off. I don't know if the, they really don't talk about that, but the whole that that one's got a different theme in and of itself and what the motivation is. Oh yeah, but a different kind of tone too. Yeah, but like the the grittiness of the world and kind of being immersed in that world, you know. But <clears throat> that those are that's kind of the ones I'm thinking about because I don't really I don't know how many post apocalyptic movies I have that aren't wild and zany. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like this one is probably like the most depressing portrayal like tooth and nail survival aspect of a post-apocalyptic movie that you can get yeah other than like maybe walking dead but even that has zombies in it so like yeah i don't really that so obviously all of this is not in our universe like if you're gonna do the parallel universes but i don't focus on the zombies at all yeah <laughs> like that well even that move that movie even after that tv show after a while just becomes about like human surviving and people being the biggest threat which i think you really do get in this movie too like tenfold is that like people are the biggest danger and that society falls whoever's left is just going to be like the worst type of person and that sort of through line is i want to say opposed by the sort of sentiment they give the father and son where they're like we're the good guys right we're carrying the fire and we have to carry the fire with us because we're the good guys and I like that that's a consistent theme throughout it and that it always it at least in the first two aspects of it it always seems to pop up whenever they do have a fire like the kid always asks like oh we're carrying the fire right or like Viggo Mortensen's explaining what that means right which is basically just like the hope that they can make it and that there are other good people out there and that they are still the good guys it's the I I took it I mean just as you got to continue on you know each days I mean whether or not you run into someone, you gotta have that will to survive, mm-hmm. and that's what the at least to me. I mean, and then you can look at it. I mean, it, it obviously has deeper meaning than just that. But every time that he said that, I was like, all right, because I mean, at one scene that's like, I showed you how to kill yourself, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And um, you know, that this is how we do it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you just gotta keep remembering tomorrow. You just ignite it again, mm-hmm. you know. So it's kind of like that one foot in front of the other approach. Yeah, just one step at a time. And it's probably funny, too, because that kid probably was taking it as a literal meaning until close to the very end. Mm-hmm. We started to realize, you know, what it what it represented. Yeah. There's um there's a lot of different parts about this movie that I really like. The, the set design and, like, the location shooting specifically is really good. So I was reading about this because while watching it, I couldn't remember, like, did they, like, green screen any of this at all? Like, is this... Is this on a set or did they actually go into locations? And I read about it and they filmed most of it in Pittsburgh. And what they did was they digitally altered some of the background stuff and removed a lot of the plant life. But they shot most of it in the winter where, you know, not a lot of leaves are and like all the trees are barren. And that really helped with like set the environment up. And a lot of like what they shot is very location based and like in the wilderness and like kind of. Not rough conditions, but just out in the thick of it. I'd have to imagine. I mean, just watching it, it's kind of hard to think that they, at least the outside scenes, obviously, yeah, were. But they, yeah, it it looked great. I mean, the one interesting. It looked one really was, good. I was impressed with like the cinematography and just how it was framed. These, like, there were some shots that were like, "Damn, that looks really good." Days of Heaven, right, or at Heaven's Gate. All right, Eternity's Gate. I mean, they're like that. That's kind of like some of the. F- I can't fucking remember. <laughs> At Heaven's Gate. At Heaven's I think Gate. that's the cult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, saw that documentary. Um, 
Yeah, there's it beautifully shot and and some of the scenery. I mean, it's got it's got the tone and the feel of what he they're going for. Oh yeah, which is so it's impressive. There's really there was, like I was watching, it's like a sepia feel to it. Mm-hmm. I mean that that alone has it gives it such like a, a very vintage look, uh, almost like you're almost traveling in the past, even though we're in the future. Yeah, you know? I think this movie. Even though it came out like a long time ago, still, I think it will continue to age well in terms of like the visuals and how yes. it's portrayed. Yeah, yeah, like you couldn't watching it, you couldn't say that this wasn't made five years ago. Yeah, you know, like it's it's really it looks really good, and there are some shots too when they get closer to the coast where they shoot on location in uh like desolate parts that were ravaged by Hurricane Katrina. Oh. Like they they shot in like a lot of locations that were just devastated and abandoned. Yeah, because of that event. And I believe it. I, I was down there around that time. Yeah, it's just really <laughs> two years afterwards. It's really impressive how like there's some environments that they they know something happened there and like they just utilize it. Like I think there was there's a building that they were in. I think it was the one where they get the coke can from the vending machine where that that building was an actual real building that people used for like event centers or something, and then it caught fire for some reason or another and then they just never right. did anything with it it's like it's, an abandoned mall yeah you know? and like i don't want to say john hillco is an opportunist but he definitely uses those environments to the movie's advantage and i think it's really cool that he does that yes well it provides a authenticity of the film yeah like they don't have to build a set but also like they don't have to film in a studio well and that's what gives you more of the grounded approach for this even though we're in this you know universe with these events going on it definitely makes it feel very personable because you've seen those places mm-hmm. you know and you can tell i mean that wherever they're at i mean it's a very real world vibe to it absolutely you know it's which, very relatable when you have to have that in this film because if you don't if some of this edit because of the story and i don't want to call it dry but it is literally survival at the most rudimentary form there's not much you can go off and like i said i like the antag the antagonist of the film is despair <laughs> yeah like is losing hope <laughs> yeah like and that's such a fucking melancholy like aspect of it that it's very hard to you have to have this sort of scenery and imagery and and being able to see yourself in their shoes without it this movie does not do as well it doesn't as it, work not at all yeah you know so like i said before there are some uh reading the book there's some differences there's not a lot i think the only difference and there's a i, I can see why they didn't put it in the movie it's just the baby th- yes yeah yeah uh <laughs> did you read about that uh it was in the trivia and i couldn't tell so you read the trivia and it's like two sentences. They didn't put the baby getting roasted over the Spitfire or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a good call. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I've, I saw enough of everything that I needed to see to make this very authentic. Like, I, I didn't need that. You know? Yeah. Like, there are some points where, like, it could have gotten into the realm of gratuitous. Yeah. And that definitely would have been it, I think. <laughs> It's like, oh, if there was one thing in this movie that was like that, there it is. Yep, that would have been. It's funny too because like I, so I read it and I was like, oh, like I imagine that's like a shot, you know, like you just. So, but now that you're saying it, I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh, maybe there's more of a lead up to actually capturing this baby and doing these things. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the only real big difference I can think of from the book to the movie. Cuz otherwise like they include the they include the basement scene with the people being held prisoner <sighs> by the cannibals. Yeah. They include uh, all the flashback scenes with Charlize Theron. They include Robert Duvall as the old man. Well, Robert Duvall's not written as Robert Duvall in the book, but you know what I mean. They keep the old man character. He's Eli. He's Eli. That's right. Which I don't even know if in the book they mention his name. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say I read up something on that, and I don't I don't know if they did or didn't. I, I wish I could remember because some, some of that scene was like improvised, I guess. Okay. That so makes sense then. He might have. If he didn't. Yeah. And then they kept the thief. Who steals the tent and like the, Omar. the supplies? Yeah, they keep him in the movie, or yeah, from the book to the movie. Like I said, there's not much that's different from the source material, and I think it's telling because John Hillco is making an adaptation for movie for Blood Meridian. Kyle's holding up a book right now, showing me that he's read this. I I bought it today, so I have not read this. Oh, never mind. Redacted. Um, <laughs> And it's funny because I guess Cormac McCarthy, who is 89 years old, by the way, yeah, is an executive producer with his son on the movie adaptation that John Hillco is working on. So that'll be interesting, at least because at least Cormac McCarthy has like some creative vision and stock into the movie being made. Yeah, I think the only other film version of a book that he wrote that's out there is No Country for Old Men, which is like, I know one of your favorite movies. And I really enjoyed the book. Oh, I, I've never, I've never read the book. That one's actually pretty. There's a couple of differences, so it's it's weird because you're, you're talking about some of the differences, and I always wonder, you know. So like, we talk about through line. You talk about, I mean, uh, you know, living in this world, and I always wonder because of the adaptation from the book to movie. I mean, is there a deeper metaphor here than what we're looking at, or did McCarthy just really write this as a world in which? we're living stripped of our identities stripped of our personalities solely surviving like human at the most rudimentary level do we still have because of our rational you know uh, sentient beings right that mm-hmm. is it we ha- we've in- we've created this um philosophy or belief of hope you know it's like mm-hmm. is that what he's going for and um it was. It's just. It's. In, it's interesting to me. That was the one thing I'm trying to come away from the film. Was I mean, or is it a much bigger meaning of something that's going on with the boy and the father? And even if it's post-apocalyptic, you could just be looking simply at the relationship of the two and what it takes to raise a child, whether it's post-apocalyptic or you know in the suburbs of or in the city of New York City, you know, in the, in the 80s. Like, is what exactly are we going for here? Yeah. And um. So I'm not to get way off tangent. I was just saying, like, you know, we talk about differences between books and movies, but actually taking that out of the book, does it really change what's going on or what we're seeing or what the intended perception of his writings were, you know? Yeah. Because, like, No Country for Old Men, there's a couple differences, but they do a pretty well good job of adapting that to screen, mm-hmm. you know? And there's, there's like I said, a couple differences, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really take away from what the book was representing or what the movie, you know, pulled from it yeah and i think that's that's what john hillcoat wanted to do with this one as well right just represent what the book means and what it what it offers to the imagination of the reader and try to put that on screen as best as he can you know what did you think of um some of the acting from certain actors in this movie like uh what did you think of what did you think of cody schmidt mcphee 
so I long when I first saw this film, it was talked about on a podcast that I, I listened to, and they were really giving the kid a hard time. And uh, you know, I remember watching it the first time and being like, "Oh yeah, like they like totally spot on. This kid sucks." Having watched it this time and having a kid of my own, I I I can't imagine, you know, like me and Preston being in this world. Yeah, and and how he would act. I dude, them walking away from just the, I don't. So one, you don't know the kid's age, right? You don't know the kid's age. Yeah, I figured he's like 12, 11, You know. Yeah, he's like ten or something. It has to be very elementary, mm-hmm. kid. You know. So like, I'm watching it, and then I'm like. Boy, like giving this kid a hard time for this show, I was like, "There's no fucking way." And one of the s- coolest things about this is, even Vigo mentions it. You must think I live from I'm from a different world, you know. Well, because- that's I think something that a lot of people. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, sorry. you're good. Um, I I think that's something that a lot of people who watch this movie and criticize the kid really harshly don't understand is that from the kid's point of view, he was born in the world. He doesn't have any recollection of what society was like before other yeah. than what his parents, his dad has told him. So he's working off of just being a product of the environment and not knowing what certain things are like. He doesn't know what shampoo is. Right. He doesn't know what a can of cola is. He doesn't know what certain concepts that we used to practice in a modern day are because the world has ended and he has no opportunity to to have that come up unless his dad tells him specifically about it. Like... There's a reason why he kind of he's he's just a naive kid, yeah, and, and that's why he plays him that way. Dude, you're fucking ten, and yeah. you're living in this world, and you're like, I was thinking like if if we got into the like the scene where they're in the house, and I was like, Preston's the man, we'd be fucking killed. He'd be like, Ah, you can't find me. Where are we going, Dad? 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 You know? And I'm like, I'd just be like, Holy shit! You know, <laughs> like, but it, but my point being is is that they're kids; they don't know any better. So I mean, it's like. How do exactly. you portray that as a kid? And I'm like watching it this time around. I was like, he's completely fine. Like, there's no, there's no way anyone could. One, we've never been in the fucking apocalyptic world, so you know, like, okay, get your criticism out there. Two, dude, you go move to fucking Alaska, have your wife birth out a kid, don't have any sort of educational material around whatsoever. Wait till he's ten without explaining what Christmas is, and then be like. At 10 years old, bring up Christmas and Santa Claus for the first time and look at that thing, look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> old man? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Because, like I said, those concepts, you yes. can't relate them to anything because everything's fucking destroyed. I like, mean, everything's like, gone. He The best part is, and I didn't agree with Vigo on this, talk about bad dad skills. Mm. He's sitting there and he's like, you know, he's talking about stockings and like we used to hang, and he's like, he, he, you can tell he's going through and he's like, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. He's never, you he, know what? Imagine like the kid's tears when he's 14 being explained what Thanksgiving was. Yeah. You know, like that, like, what? <laughs> like you there had. There were more, <laughs> there were know, more family members. Fucking food. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the, what I didn't agree with, I was like, go sit outside. Like, okay, Vigo, probably not a great call. Well, that's, that's, I think a point that the, the movie and I think the book to a certain degree makes too is that Vigo makes a lot of choices in this movie that you know they make you question his humanity and like whether or not they're still the good guys like you you could argue that like he didn't need to take the thieves clothes but he, he viewed it as justified because he's teaching him a lesson but at that point the through line of carrying the fire and still being the good guys 
becomes really valuable because he's demonstrating that even though you are you are a good guy and you're taking care of your son, you're doing all these good things for him. It's like you're making these choices that kind of contradict that. And now your son's looking at that and learning like what it actually means to be a good guy. And who can I even trust in this world? If my dad does these things to other people when he doesn't need to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yes, I agree with that. I have a hard time. There, there's a lot of conflicting philosophies going on and there's a lot of, I think different arguments that you could be, that could be made, you know, it's the, you know, from one angle, it, it what, it's just interesting because what they do, like I, I keep saying that they strip you down to a fundamental, but like some of his emotions come out. Some of the irrational thinking comes out. There's a lot of times where because of where they're at, they have such a reptilian brain of what they're going on. You've stripped everything that they know besides survival, finding food and sleeping, right? So when you have some of these uh, things pop up that happen, like taking the thief's clothes off, you know, in one society you get robbed, you know, you take your eye and another you take a hand and another one you go to jail and then another one it might be asked for forgiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Justice is such a controversial thing and it's not, it's, it's polarizing because no one society's crafted it. It's only a belief and a thought, right? And it depends on where you stand at with your emotional construct and maybe society who you are as a person so there's it's just there's different things happening going on and if you you know like i guess i kind of get annoyed with that because if you want you're going off that route the very first time if we carry the fires when he shoots the guy Mm -hmm. right i think so yeah at the very beginning and he hadn't alluded to it yet he says it's kind of after that point is he is explaining this is we carry the the fire that's why i took it as survival Mm -hmm. and about as much as i i gathered from it because of a lot of what vigo does conflicts with what his representation is yeah like what you're saying you Mm -hmm. know and a lot of what the kid's taking is sort of that virtuous approach to it you know and at the end of the day i just don't know where it's gonna go like you know it and I'll tell you, the ending of this didn't really fucking elate me either. <laughs> uh, you know, like... Yeah, that's but, something I want to talk about, too, was well, the end. But we'll get to it. Yeah, so I, I guess, you know, at, there are questionable decisions that are made, but a lot of it's built from the construct of you're stepping outside of the path. And that's, I guess, maybe where the road's at. The road's one singular destination. Mm-hmm. And once you kind of start drifting outside the road is when you get into these gray areas and decisions that are made and there's a lot of arguments that you can be made one way or another i didn't agree with him having the guy strip for his clothes and then me and jasmine were watching it and she said why is he doing it? i said scales of justice mm-hmm. you know if you're a thief you're going to be reprimanded as a thief and it's kind of one of those things where it's like at what point are you a bad guy you let the guy walk and he turns around and kills you you know mm-hmm. it's, it's survival your survival has been you know we're all viruses at the end of the day looking just to fucking keep going you know, your mind will race and keep you alive no matter what you want to do. And, you know, that's one of the things where you get into is sort of the construct of society and where you're building as the people and groups, you know. And, mm. um, yeah, that's I, that's why I get into a little bit of the here and there because it's, yeah, I get it, but, it, you know, if it's all about survival, like, what's it matter at the end of the day? Yeah. You want to talk about the ending since you uh, brought it up? I didn't. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I it's uh, so it's it's very similar to how the book ends, and he just sucks at writing endings. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, no country ended shittily too. Yeah. All right. It's exact same. It's the same as the movie as it is in the book. So yeah. that's what you get. It's and, very sudden and 
it just kind of ends. So the ending of this, it, both the book and the movie, uh, spoilers for that, I guess, is um, the the Vigo Mortensen dies. So the father dies because he's sick and he's coughing up blood, and he can't eat and he can't move, and so he just dies. And the son, like, he doesn't even walk like that far away from him before these people pop up. So this is where Guy Pierce comes into the movie with like his weird ass teeth, and he comes up and he's like. Hey, I've been, we've been following you for a while. You okay? And he's like, who are you? How can I trust you? He's like, I guess you don't know. You'll just have to come with us. We got a little boy and a little girl, too. Also a dog. Yeah. And my wife. And she's like, we're so glad you're okay. You'll be okay now. And, like, all this stuff. It's like, I can see, I can see the criticism of it for sure. Like, it's very abrupt and kind of, like, out of nowhere a little bit. Like, it's... Is there is it a reward for carrying the fire? I guess like it, it's supposed to give you comfort in that now the boy has like extra safety with him and that they have like a group now. Oh, fuck. And I guess there is a little bit of like a thing where it's not totally out of nowhere because he does see the boy earlier in the movie, and then Vigo Mortensen doesn't believe him. He's like, "There's a boy over there," oh, and then he's like, "Yeah, no, nah, you you didn't see him or whatever." Like, there's a bit of justification in the middle of the movie but like still it's very sudden and it's just like all right now the movie ends yeah i think it would have been better if you just see the little boy like on his own kind of walk off and then you don't really know where it goes from there it's hold it true to the life that we're in hold it true to that Mm. that's what i'm saying hold it he walks off and it's god i hope he makes it yeah exactly like that's 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 what I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Like, that's really how this movie should have ended. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you probably would have had more tears because there's no fucking way that if he goes off on his own, he's dead. Yeah. Like, it's a whole, probably mutilated and other disgusting things. <laughs> but. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, I'm just saying. That's hey, why am in. I the bad guy? Yeah. I'm just telling it like. Are, are it we is. talking about the movie here? Oh, am, yeah. I, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Yeah. <laughs> um, there are people who view the ending of the both the book and the movie as a more dour thing for the kid because they think, oh, Guy Pierce and his family, they could really be bad and like the kid just could just be screwed even more. But I think there's I think I'm more on the side of like it being an optimistic ending because the first time I watched it, I definitely thought it was a little bit more ambigu- ambiguous. Uh-huh where I, it could go either way for me. Whereas this time watching it, I'm like, okay, it feels a little more optimistic because they do have the kids with them and because they have the dog. If they were cannibalistic evil people, they, they wouldn't have the dog. They would have eaten the dog by now. Like, Yes, that's... The fact that they have the dog with them is an indication that they are probably good people and that they'll look after him. Whether or not the kids are theirs, whether or not those people were together before, they're, it's a, they're conjoining a family now. Right? Yeah, and you're developing a little bit of a pack. Yeah, and I think that helps me view it as a more optimistic ending than what I think a lot of people view it as. Well, you just people are. It could be taken <laughs> either way. People I are mean, stupid. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it really could be taken either way. I I don't, you know, the 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 nice way of looking at it is it's carry the fire and you're being rewarded for being a good person. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like one of those things where all the all the small things add up to build to a moment that was set up for you yeah so going back and leaving clothes and food for the thief you know or or uh helping the old man i mean just all those like little small things you could say that because he was trying to be a good soul he was rewarded 
you know, mm-hmm. and it, or it's, you could say that he's, I mean, it, it's very storybook ending. Well, here's the thing I will say whether or not they're good or bad, okay, they've got the two kids, right? Mm-hmm. As you mentioned before, imprinting and the behaviors of how they act is just what will become part of his, uh, um, traits as a as a person, mm-hmm. right? So even if they are bad, they have the dog and the kids. So if they go and fucking pillage and rob and cannibalize, the kid's still gonna survive. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like to me, the the through line of it all, and I get I get a little bit of the hope and the you know being good and, and being stripped of everything, and we can still rise above it. You know, I guess. And I don't know if McCarthy intended it that way. I mean, it's kind of how the movie came off. But mm-hmm. like to me, it's just it's survival. Yeah. And, and He's still gonna survive. So whether it's good or bad, he's still breathing. Mm-hmm. You know. So that and that's the different perspectives that we all take away from this. Like that's that was mine. So like I I watched and I was like, well, one I was like, I wonder if they're gonna try to repopulate the planet or like what's going on. I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> and then you know I was like, oh, like they gotta be good because of the dog. And I was like, well, even if they are bad, like let's just say they go out and do like awful awful things. Like and even chain up like. Those kids are still alive. The dog's still alive. The humans are still alive. So even that virus mentality that we have of keep going, it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Now, what could happen is eventually you domesticate and populate this planet of all these shitbirds that you got, and then the world <laughs> is awful, awful, awful once population comes back, if ever. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the story of the kid, like he's probably going to make it another five years, you'd hope, if they stay off the road. Yeah. So there were some things about this movie that I was not big on. I think one of the biggest things is some of the music choices were a little weird. Like there were times where it's just ambient kind of droning where they're walking along. And that's like, okay. But like there were some moments where the music they used was a little too twangy for me. <laughs> sure. Almost like a little bit of yeehaw kind of going on. Like backwoods-esque. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. very much so. And I felt like it could have been, uh, it could have been benefited from like being a little more dour, to kind of match the tone of what they're going for. Because there's some moments where like they're just walking, they're walking down the road with their shopping cart, and the music is almost a little too twangy. So like it has a bit of an uplift to it, and it just kind of takes yes. me out of it a bit. I I think it might have been done on purpose to keep hope afloat for the audience members as well. Mm. You know, I don't think it fit in at all. I would yeah. have much rather like the uh, um, All's Quiet on the Western Front. If they would have put that in here, I would have. Oh my god! Loved it, right? <laughs> like yeah. how desolate and fucking the collapse of man mm. would that have been? Yeah. You know, but I think a little bit, and this is just kind of thinking about it right now. Is there are points that this guy's got to keep you engaged because I mean, at one point he he takes the kid's gun, he's holding his hand, he's like, "This is how you do it," and he has him stick the gun in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you got a lot of that going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got to figure out kind of how to keep us like, oh, man, maybe they'll make it. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. There's no hope at all. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so he might, it might have been a musical, like a creative choice in that aspect for audience members, you know. Yeah. Kinda, and not to necessarily. I could see the intention. I just don't think it worked, really. Sure. I'm, and I'm not going to, whether it did or, I, I'm not going to go against it or for it. I guess it was, it, it. To me, it fit well enough to where I didn't really pay attention, but it wasn't something that I was like, man, that was great. Yeah. You know? And then another big thing I had with it is that it does kind of get repetitive after a bit. Like, there's only... 
There's only so much that you can do that's unique with the environment with that specific like point A to point B story with these characters that you have to live vicariously through. And after like probably three fourths of the way through the movie, I was like, I'm really feeling the runtime on this. Yeah, because like. I mean, if we're like, it's like, it's just despair. Like, it's very. It is. <laughs> it really is. And, and I, normally I love movies like that. And I do really like this movie. But after a while, man, I just, I felt, I felt it way down on me. You know, and I, so I, I was just very intrigued with all of the events that were happening. Because it's like, there's these interconnected moments, you know, and it's, it's supposed to kind of lead you. I, I, I like, I. For some reason, I just sometimes don't get it or understand it. Like running into the old man, following him. But after they do that, the theme of being followed or following someone really picks up, mm-hmm. which I never, it, I couldn't for the life of me figure out where it sprouted from. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I was like, well, it's the first time we ever talked about it was, you know, the old man, unless seeing that kid maybe was the inception of that thought. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, there are. There are things that happen that are supposed to keep you engaged, and I just don't think that they did a great job with it. And then some of whatever, I don't know what they were going for, went over my head that just really left me like, don't know why we're doing this at all. Yeah. You know. I get that 100%. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about with this film specifically? Anything we didn't mention that you want to bring the up? Fo- did you understand the, what was the purpose of Are You Following Me? The paranoia of it all? Like, I never, I couldn't. I recognize it. I'm not entirely sure what the point of it is. I think maybe they're all. It, it's supposed to say something like they're all heading for the same destination, and the world is smaller than what they think it is, and that there are more people out there than what was perceived earlier in the movie, where yeah. it is just kind of desolate. And the environment itself just kind of being a place where you just you run into someone and you just have to deal with it. And kind of, like you said, virus mentality where you just have to keep going. But does that virus mentality carry on with everyone where they all end up in the same place? Right. Like, I'm not 100% on it quite yet, but I, I recognize that it's there. That's what I guess I... So they had... I didn't even pay attention with the old man because he goes, "Are you, you've been following me or why are you following me? That's the first time you really see that get brought up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Vigo catches the thief and he goes, were you, you were following us. Right, mm-hmm. and then you get to the bow and arrow incident, and he hell of a shot, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, right? like we all just, <laughs> with a flare gun, dude. Like he popped it up there, and I was like, I know there's a chick in there, but did, I don't remember if he got someone. And then he goes up there, he's like, Why were you following us? And then they start crying, You were following us, yeah. And it's that's just the curiosity I had with it because at that point, I was like, Because then the little boy brings it up, and then they go, We were following you, and I'm like, What the fuck. Like halfway through this film, it just turned into people following. Maybe people. it's supposed to indicate that like no one person or no one group of people is better than the other, and that it doesn't matter who is being followed or who's who's following who. Is that like they're all in the same situation, yeah. and that a simple misunderstanding can lead to dire consequences, yeah. essentially. And that's why, yeah, maybe that's why the old man. That's why they have it first brought up with him because. They don't kill him, mm-hmm. and it doesn't turn into something. They yeah. help each other out, and then they part ways. It's the most neutral interaction of the whole movie, and there's yeah, there's yeah, there's. I was about to say the other one because no one gets killed, no one gets hurt. It's just a simple like well, high and by. <laughs> the, the end of the, the end of the film would be a positive interaction yes. with following. So like, and yes. then the others are negative. Like, yeah, 
There's so, different degrees of it that you kind of go through. I just thought it was odd because I'm like halfway through the film, this theme picked up and took off. And I'm like, this isn't really, it's kind of a through line, but it kind of isn't. Like it just popped up out of nowhere and all of a sudden they end on it. Like we were, yeah. you know, and it's like. It's very like just compacted towards the last half of the movie. Yeah. So that was, that's another negative I had with it. And it's kind of me just being like, I, I don't. And I, I like your explanations. I'll say that. Like, and if you guys have seen this and you picked up on it too, I mean, that's a, it's a great, it's a great thought, and it's another one to kind of put your mind to. I mean, this movie makes you think a little bit. This movie makes you stink a little bit because they probably smell like shit in that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Vigo's washing the kid. Now, granted, oh, just he does, all the dirt and <laughs> just goes no, down the drain. Oh, uh, not that it was when they were in the river. Oh, okay. And he washes them in the because in that one he does get cleaned up. It's mm-hmm. actually the first time you actually get some sort of identity between the two. Yeah, he gets to drink some alcohol and he's smoking a cigarette. He shaves his face. He cuts his hair. You can just see he's like back in that old world of man. This is what it was like to be alive. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And. But they're in the river, and he's just washing the kid off. And then I'm looking at, I mean, dude, his fucking face is caked. And I'm like, just do the same. Yeah. Like, I was, he, I was he too, I was too busy looking at his little Vigo Mortensons hanging, oh, hanging yeah. out in that he's, scene. Dude, he loves to be naked in movies. <laughs> like, I think it's like a fucking, he's got to sign a waiver on it. He's probably pissed about Lord of the Rings. There's, it, it, it happens twice in this movie where he's butt-ass naked, and he dives into the water. Yep. Just for whatever. <laughs> just for right. He really likes doing that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. That's his thing. Yeah. You know, just a little Vigo running around. I don't remember him being balls out in the book, but hey, if that's what Vigo wants to do, that's what Vigo wants John, to do. John, I've got an idea for you. What do you think? <laughs> He's like, we're going to go balls out with this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Should we get into ratings for yeah, The Road? We can. You so, want to go first? I will go first. Uh, this is a so this is a 7 out of 10 for me. Okay. Um, now... I will say, so like we, we always talk about, I have the entertainment scale weighed on with the how good the movie was scale, mm-hmm. right? So uh, movie-wise, fan, this is fantastically shot. I mean, this is kind of, this is sim- somewhat similar to All is Quiet on the Western Front. It's gorgeous. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, the angles and some of the, the, the story and where it was going, I mean, it just, at some point, there's got to be a little bit more... Uh, excitement happening and i don't mean exciting in a uplifting way mm-hmm. i could have taken more of the cannibals on the road approach yeah you know like those like are make st- it make it kind of like throw some more elements of horror in there like when they're in the basement drama thriller mm. i mean like yeah in the basement Cause that scene is we didn't even mention it like that scene was one of my favorite scenes in the movie it's it was so i had seen this film i watched this late one night back in 2013 14 i want to say and uh like pieces of the movie I remember, but I didn't. I always thought the boy got captured, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I couldn't quite remember or recall. So as it's going on, they get to that basement scene. I remember when they were in the food cellar. Mm-hmm. So like I do remember that part because I yeah. knew that was coming up, and I thought that was that part. I was like, oh, that, yeah. that's right. They find this little house, and that's right. They get into the no, not at all. <laughs> no, what the fuck? Like, like I, yeah, I remember the cannibal, um, like people being held prisoner in the basement scene, and. I just I remembered it, but it still gave me like anxiety and like feelings of like unease when they were approaching the darkness. Oh yeah, and they had just the lighter on them, and like you could see all the people just like all bloodied and like amputated and like naked. Yeah, it was just super fucking jarring, and it still like got to me a little bit on the second watch, even though I knew it was coming. Yeah, they're like watching the film. It's always kind of like, who would I be? 
<laughs> where would I be at? I'd be one of those people. I was. I'm always nervous that it's like Mac. Your dumbass would be right down in that I would fucking hope, cellar without an arm. Yeah, I would hope that I would die just immediately when whatever happened happened. You know. That's what. <laughs> yeah, I asked Jasmine. I was like. Because we're watching it, you know, it's her and Theron, right? And I was like, so, mm-hmm. and she's going off. She's like, I can't do, you know, and I'm like, because I'm like, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'd be like Vigo. Like, I'd just be like, you got, I'm such a positive guy. Like I told you, I mean, the, the whole airplane thing was so, fuck, like we were almost stranded in Charlotte for another day. Yeah. And I had to get Preston back. And it's like, don't worry, I got this. Like, and obviously it's scales above what he's going through. Uh-huh. So I look at Jasmine, I'm thinking like, all right, well, you picked me and a lot of people to be with. You know, like, you got to have it. I go, you think you'd be like Charlie's? Like, you think you'd be like her? Like, just give up. And she looks at me, and she kind of looks up. She goes, oh, yeah. No, you're ending it. <laughs> and I was like, what? Jasmine? And she's like, I'm not dealing with that shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> like, I guess so. Can I be the dog? I'll be the dog. Yeah. I'll be the dog at the end. Man, that thing looks so scrawny, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They made a good That's job. That's probably why they didn't eat it. It's because it's all bone. <laughs> probably. Yeah, that thing's all 35 pounds. I mean, so anyways, uh, so that's why I gave it a 7 out of 10. It, like you said, it lost me, and then the ending wasn't all that great. And I thought uh, the story was good, but there could have been better. Um, could have been more cinematic, if you will. I got you. So. A little bit more of a, a tension-filled tone going on there. Just a little there. bit. The first, I, honestly, the first... 30 minutes of this film were pretty gripping. That and the editing took me out of this. Yeah. I didn't like the editing all that much. Okay. Yeah, this is an 8 out of 10 for me. I think um, I definitely have my issues with it. It's for sure closer to a 7 than a 9. But I really like the atmosphere and what they did with it and how much, for me personally, it matches with the tone of the book and how they kept a lot of it faithful, which I think really adds to like the atmosphere in the story. Um. I think Vigo's good. I think the kid definitely has a few moments where, like, a bit of a, the more emotional scenes are a little bit harder for him as a child actor to perform. But otherwise, I think he does a good job of portraying, like, a naive kid that doesn't know any better of the world around him or what the world used to be. Um, some of the soundtrack took me out of it a little bit, but I do like the performances and. I think as far as like a post-apocalyptic movie goes, this is one of my top ones that I've seen. So I'd have to go through. I mean, this is if I've seen a, it's probably only three. So, um, yeah, this is the most realistic. I mean, it depends on if a guy came up to me and we were at a restaurant and we were picking out movies mm-hmm. to consume. Yeah, I'd go, I'd definitely ask him what are, what's your appetite mm-hmm. if you're looking for something a little bleak. You know, a nice little fucking 1930s scotch you want to sip on and just kind of, like, get down into your feelings. This one for sure. Yeah. It's not, you know, and it, or if you're just looking like, hey, I don't know what that world would be like. I'd be like, yep, this is probably the closest you're going to see to the apocalypse unless we live it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. Very true. Very scary. Very true. All right. Speaking of true, we are feeling true to our word that we give you guys a question for the audience sometimes i don't know where i promised that to you guys but i you know what i made it there you go and we're here now it's back through one of the episodes just listen to them all yes and if you don't want to go through them have a friend listen to them exactly have somebody listen to them for god's sake multiple people you guys can take five episodes on at a time get like five desktops going at the same time listen to the same episode and then you know 
Yeah. You'll find out. Yes. But our question for the audience this week was, what is your least favorite movie genre and why? Mm. And we got a decent amount of answers. Some of them didn't go into the why, but I'm going to read them nonetheless, just yeah. because. Hey, they threw it out there. They to threw let it us out know. there. They went through the trouble of typing it out. So I'm going to let them shine. And the first one comes from Don, who says, drama, because it is dramatic. And then he has a little, like, kind of smirk emoji with it, like a hmm kind of thing, you know? Clever. Uh, interesting answer. I don't know <laughs> if I could agree that that would be my least favorite, because I think drama is probably one of my most favorite genres of movies. Because you get a lot of good character moments. You get really good scripts good acting you get all those together and it creates a really compelling movie that can really dramatic movie that can really impact you yeah exactly a dramatic <laughs> movie movies in nature are dramatic for the most part whether it's dour dramatic or hilariously dramatic or just action wise dramatic mm -hmm. like just the scale and scope of it yeah drama can mean all sorts of things but i get what he means in that like two characters in a room who are arguing with each other and it's supposed to be a serious tone. Like, I, I, I guess that's more of, like, probably what he means by that. He's like, nope, just the other ones. <laughs> yeah, just what... <laughs> no, no, what you were saying before. Yeah, you were right on with it. He's screaming at me like, yeah. no, you had it, you had it. <laughs> yeah. Nixon v. Frost was great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um... So our next one, did you have anything to say about? No, I don't. I'm not going to. I, hey, you know, I'd be curious. I Like when they, so when you guys like leave us an answer, give us an example. Because yes. like you said, I like it's so like there are so many sub levels of drama mm. there. And I, I, I would agree with you, like the mel melancholy dramatic or the, uh, you know, you could have a political drama that wouldn't be that effective, but like yeah. an action drama could be very invoking. Yeah, so, or like an emotional drama, like Marriage Story. That I think is like that's a good drama. That's a very like when I think of drama, I think of that movie. Really? I yeah, okay. I would say so. Yeah, I actually nothing comes to my head when I maybe Michael Clayton. Michael Clayton. Yeah, I don't know why. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I know who that is. For a, a movie podcast, George Clooney. Oh uh, yeah, oh. the George Clooney drama. Oh yeah, I've seen it twice now, and uh, I still can't remember. But I always remember the tone of that movie. So serious. George Clooney. Okay, I know yeah. who that is. <laughs> All right, that's the name I recognize. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a real person. I know you looked at me. I don't know who Michael Clayton is and what's <laughs> who is that? <laughs> what is, what does he write? What dramatic <laughs> movies has he written? <laughs> Who's this vanilla sky you keep talking about? Yeah. Um. So our next one comes from Kaylin, and she says musical or chick flicks. Never cared for them. I like my stories with a bit more explosive action. They say mm. so. Very honest answer. Yes. Um. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know if I've been exposed to that many chick flicks, really. Like Nicholas Sparks well, type movies. Well, you only have like two hundred movies in your zeitgeist. So hey, I have more than that. <laughs> yeah. I can point out exactly how many movies okay, I have in my zeitgeist. Right, I can pull right. up my letterbox yeah. right now yeah, and tell you, you exactly Mr. how many. Tough guy. Yeah, I have eight hundred and fifty-six movies not, in my repertoire. Not bad. I got. I got over fifteen hundred. I am. Is that what IMDb does? Do they they keep yeah, track well, of that? I, oh yeah, and I go through. Well, I have to look at my list and and go through. And I've the road I've seen before, 
watched it. I hadn't rated it yet. There are yeah. so many films I've not yet rated on that thing mm-hmm. that I got to that will never pop into my head until I click on it. Yeah, no, you've you've got me beat for sure, but I'm not at 200. You're right. You're Give me right. a little Sorry. more credit. Yeah, I was only 25. percent It's more like than, 300. And I bet you you've seen a couple chick flicks. I have 800 films. You've got a couple in there. Fallen Our Stars is one that comes to mind. That's more. Ah. But at that point, is that more of a drama, like a teen drama movie chick about like kids with fall cancer? Into teen drama. I mean, it's not. Like, I guess. Yeah. I got. You know, that's that. This one actually seems a little bit more on the nose because maybe it's like uh, John Tucker Must Die. I mean, maybe, <laughs> are we talking about like romantic comedies or? <laughs> that one I thought was just a straight up comedy, but who knows? I don't know. I don't chick flicks like are. I think like they. Who's the guy that? The Notebook. Oh, yeah, Nicholas Sparks. Yeah, I think maybe more of like that. I, that's what I think when I think Chick Flick. And I, I mean, I haven't seen any of his say, movies or adaptations uh, or anything. Well, just because you haven't seen that doesn't mean you haven't seen Chick Flicks. That, I know. I'm trying to remember, though, what there is. I, I can only think of Fault in Our Stars right now. I, <laughs> a Knight's Tale is kind of a Chick Flick. No, it's but, not. How <laughs> dare you? It's Megan's one oh. of her favorite movies. Yeah. Well, and Megan, it's not a chick flick, so if you've been wrong all these years, uh, unless you're not classifying it like that. It's got some, like, romanticism in it. Yeah, but just because it doesn't make that a chick flick. True. I guess that doesn't make Venom a chick flick either. Exactly. But Thank you. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. We'll find out. Well, <laughs> ladies of the pod, <laughs> unite. Yes, let us know how wrong we are, yeah. how wrong I am specifically. Uh, did we have anything more to say about that as an answer? No, I musicals are probably there for me. Yeah, the same. I, and we got we got a decent amount of the same answers from well, people. Yeah, I gotta keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not shit on everyone else. No, you, you no. Have your voice, obviously. Yes, you and voice. I I agree with a well, lot. Let's not really say. shitting on because I think we're agreeing with exactly. Yeah, like uh, Brandon, he says musical because most of the time they tend to drag on and have next to zero action. Which the reasons for not liking musicals typically. I would have to disagree with because for me it's not that they don't have action it's because they disrupt the story or they tend to throw in these musical numbers or these performances that don't feel consistent with the tone of the movie you know or like what the characters are going through like West Side Story we talked about that and like the the original West Side Story I think what you would say it actually would like I do agree with okay. you. There are. I'm thinking of the Steven Spielberg. That's what one. I'm saying. Like the older, the newer, these newer musicals that have come out really are choreographed and production based, which that really jilts, right? Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive what they do with like the choreography and a lot of the musical but numbers say, themselves. It doesn't fit like, in with the as story. a movie. That's yes. what I'm saying. It doesn't. Uh-huh. F- I'm with. I'm agreeing with. You. That's what I'm saying. But the older ones, the production, it's all. It's the same throughout. Mm-hmm. So you have more consistent. Like Grease is a great. Oh yeah, I like Grease. That's what I'm saying. Like Grease, but and that's from 1962. The production values it 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 stays consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. Whereas like that's what I'm saying. Like West Side Story from Spielberg, I. Hey, we're gonna do like a scene of act, like filming, and then we're gonna do another scene of just choreography, and we'll spruce it together, yeah. and then we're gonna make this film, and it's gonna be fucking zany and wild, and it's gonna be so over the top and awesome. Yeah, I think the most modern musical that I like the best is probably Tick Tick Boom, because oh. at least within the context of that movie, they're he's making a musical. Yeah, and they're all like these theater kids that are 
always hanging out and singing anyway. Mm-hmm. So in the context of that movie, it works quite well. And the songs themselves are really good and memorable. Sure. Like, I can even yeah. remember them right now. I'm not going to sing them because well, I, I don't want to bless you guys too much with my voice. I but I want to say I liked La La Land. I haven't seen that yet. I, I want to. It's yeah, on my list. Yeah. That one I want to... I want to say it actually it, it felt appropriate, but would Whiplash be a musical? I don't think so. Drama? No. Chick flick? Oh, oh, a drama, yes, for sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> chick flick, maybe. <laughs> if you like Miles Teller and uh, <laughs> J.K. Simmons screaming at each other the whole time, if that turns you on, then sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Why? <laughs> some, some chick's going to get a flick, am I right? They're out there. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, oh boy. Hey. That was, dare I say, a 10 out of 10 joke. Wow. <laughs> joke so good, I might have to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Women unite. Let me know if I went over the top. <laughs> yeah. Don't be mad at me now. Be mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> Redirect your anger. Uh. Um, our next one <laughs> comes from Levi, who we had on our last episode. Yeah. And he gives a different answer, so that's nice. He says, poorly researched historical films or ones that purposefully change the history they are covering to focus on an unneeded romance or character arc. Well-made history movies, though. Amazing. He puts in parentheses. So I can feel like bastards he's out on? Well, I feel like he is specifically maybe talking about Titanic or (laughs) Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor's trash. Pearl Harbor <laughs> specifically, because oh. most of that movie is just a dumbass love triangle between Ben Affleck and the other two fuckers in that movie. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm very harsh with it, but yeah. I, I need to be because that movie's turbo cringe. Like, yeah, that's a Michael Bay film. It's it's a poor man's Titanic. Well, didn't they have they had another one that just came out too that was very awful? A historical one that was it just recently, uh, like two three years ago. Oh, it's got my boy in it too. Your boy uh, from uh, the Conjuring. Oh, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. Okay. He's like an admiral. It's it it's um it's not the it's. Maybe I can look this up while we. You uh, can look it up because I'm gonna say I'm I'm curious as the there's prob there's a couple of them in there that, that all right let me do look a disservice. For, let me look uh, through his filmography. Well, you you don't said have it. To talk out loud. I mean, I can sit here and fill time while you're looking it up. I I am helping with the back and forth dynamic. You're not talking about <laughs> Moonfall, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, he's got to be in it. Oh, was it Midway? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Midway. Trash. Awful. Yeah, I heard that was fucking garbage. Yeah, there are. See, the problem too with my movies that I've seen is that I will scrub them from my film, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll rate Black Adam, and it will just never have existed in my mind. Oh, I mean that you're probably the better for it. It's, you know, there's some peace and serenity with it. Yeah. But then when it comes to like you know the fucking volume stats and like how many films have you seen, I get discredited. Yeah. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two. I, I know it's a double edged sword it's like i mean i scrubbed black adam from my memory but as far as my count of films go i guess i can't count it towards it even though i have seen it but shit now i'm a little bit discredited well do you you have that in your memory banks now just so you can get the counting stats going you can maybe view it as like a learning experience like you watch (laughs) black adam and you learn about you learn about how bad it is so then you can avoid it (laughs) i've had plenty of learning experiences i've learned that those films need to get scrubbed (laughs) fair point fair point oh man is i heard that um as, as good of a movie as Braveheart is, I've heard that that's very historically inaccurate. Well, William Wallace is like 6'5". Yeah. And Mel Gibson, they had a... 
they had to put him on stilts. They had to do different camera angles and have him on a horse. And at one point, he's like, I've heard William Wallace is this tall. He's not. He's me. <laughs> yeah. But I'd be I'd be interested to hear about some of the battles and what he had to go through. Yeah. You know, so. I could see that from Levi's perspective, too, because knowing him, he really likes history and learning about it. Yeah. And so to see it portrayed in a movie here's poorly, a, here's that another, would really irk you. Good one. Alexander with Colin Farrell. Seen that. I have not. Yep. Don't worry about it. All right. Scrub from my list. <laughs> there's only, yeah, and Jasmine's going to hate hearing this, but there's only one scene that hasn't been scrubbed that I don't know if I could get rid of. So, all right. On to the next. I can imagine what that is. <laughs> and so can you. <laughs> Our next one comes from Matt, and he simply says musicals all day. Yeah. So, we got three different answers from people that were all musicals. I, and there's a very common through line there. Yeah, I mean, I think musicals are the easiest one to pick on because they're the hardest to really get into. And there's sort of a stigma behind musicals. They're, yeah, they're for sure the hardest for me to get into. Yeah. As, well, as someone who likes movies. I will say, though, there's a, you know, uh, if, it, it depends on what you enjoy. Like, you're a storyline guy, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you enjoy characters. I very you, much am. Musicals aren't designed for that. Anything that, all. like, disrupts the flow of that, I am typically not a fan of. Right. Yeah, you know, it's almost like a one-trick pony act. Like that's what they're for. It's just Mm -hmm. getting them on, and I, I think they're the easiest to pick on because of that. They're the furthest away from a movie and closest to like a Broadway show or like a carnival. You know, like I would much rather watch a musical as a play than I would as a movie because then at least I can appreciate them being live. And choreographing everything in real time. Yes. Whereas, like, you know, with the movie, they did multiple takes, and there's some, like, probably special effects trickery going on in some cases, you know? It's trickery? Yeah. Old man Kyle here. <laughs> I know. There's some There's some CGI haberdashery going on. <laughs> I'm not standing for it. Oh, These young yeah, exactly. damn Zoomers. <laughs> Manipulating my eyeballs. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait till you're like 50 years from now. Oh, I, know, I can't. Going to movies again <laughs> yeah. and talking to your grandkids. <laughs> Remember, 824? It's like, okay, Grandpa. Yeah. Like, take your hat off. Yeah, Jesus. we read your whole thesis on it. Yeah, God. <laughs> <laughs> we saw your video on your channel. No one uses YouTube anymore. <laughs> uh, our last answer comes from Jaylin, who says, actually, comedy. Ooh. comedy as a least favorite genre i can i can kind of understand that i i feel like for me it's hard to find a comedy that i really find especially funny you know like there's not a whole lot that makes me like hysterically laugh in terms of a comedy movie yeah not unless you're talking about mosquitoes in your bed as bed bugs <laughs> what's that oh <laughs> uh, i <clears throat> last night so just for everyone you know and i'm not it's not to get away but that, you'll see my sense of humor and why i also don't like comedies <laughs> uh we're laying in bed and i told jasmine i had a mosquito bite and you know she's like oh no how'd you get that and i looked at her and i was like it means they're in the house you know mm-hmm. and she's like oh my god what if they're in the bed and I just started, she's like, can we have bed bucks? And I just started dying laughing. And yeah. I'm like, and I like, after 30 seconds, I'm like crying laughing. I'm like, Jasmine, you can't have mosquitoes in your bed. <laughs> and I just started, I, and she got so annoyed. She's just staring at me and she's like, I don't know what the fuck you're laughing at or why you think that's so funny. Oh, Megan's the same way. Like, Megan's the exact same way. I'll send her some like random ass 
Instagram reel or like say some dumb fucking shit and she'll be like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you don't, it just, it tickled me the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just for whatever reason, it provoked a thought and that was it. Like she'll send me a video where it's like some really like well put together comedy skit of like these people putting on a performance and it's like, oh, okay. And then I'll send her some dumb shit like fucking, uh, Oh, your your bill is a ten dollars or ten twenty, and you give them a ten. Go keep the change. <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. And it's like some dumb fucking shit. And the she's like, "Why no do you connection. find that funny?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, minion banana." Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. It's like what? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just it goes off the Richter scale. And I think that it, as a movie, I think it's really difficult to be a comedy and kind of capture a specific type of humor that someone has because like people like different kinds of humor like there's no wrong way to look at a comedy oh for sure and like if you find something funny you find something funny if you don't you don't like it's just it's up to that individual that's why they're so i think that's why they're hard i think so too and with me personally i typically like something where if a joke comes and goes and it's done that's totally cool with me whereas like a movie you get a long form of a comedy and there's supposed to be jokes that carry through and maybe the actors have a different, like harder time connecting with it or like so- something that like you have to stretch it out basically. And yeah. with my type of humor, I appreciate more <laughs> so like the coming and goings of like a quick video or something. Right. Yeah. That, it's very, it's very challenging to hold their attention span for that long mm-hmm. and to hold the, the humor that long. I, Some, like, uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, it's just like uh, some of the older stuff. I still laugh at. Like, if I want to watch something funny, I'm probably gonna throw on like semi pro. You know, yeah. I find more humor in things that I used to laugh at. Than There's I- some like nostalgic stuff that yeah, I definitely find funny. There's some like genuinely good comedy movies too. I think like uh, Wet Hot American Summer. I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, those there are. I think it's funny because what like, we do I think in the you, shadows. You find more comedies of things that you missed years past and you do like what's coming up now yeah like wet hot american summer i watched for the first time a few years ago with gideon and i'd never heard of the movie really before and i watched i was like this is great yeah yeah. this is genuinely funny like same with what we do in the shadows i watched that much later i think it's just about like discovering what you like rather than like counting on movies that are coming out hoping that well they'll be funny to you in comedies nowadays you have to relate to <clears throat> if you think about it you have to hit a certain demographic right like will ferrell comes out with this pg-13 movie he's trying to capture all of these young kids so it's not gonna hit like the way it was like when we were young mm. now granted if i was 13 and i came oh, out yeah. and watched a pg-13 i mean i might find it funny because i loved kicking and screaming when it came out but it came out at the right time for me because right. i was playing soccer at the time and i could kind of not relate but like i just found it funny just because i played soccer it's at the relatable time. i mean in some it's relatable enough yeah and you i mean it it, it living in that sort of parody or satire or whatever they're kind of you know have poking fun at yeah like exactly you can understand a little bit more that's like, like, like yes there's something that you can approach it with whereas something like fucking the, have you seen the preview for that movie strays that talking dog comedy movie that's coming out in august yeah. or like the um was it joyride that movie about like the the chinese adopted daughter who like goes back to china to meet her real parents or something like they've uh-huh. been playing previews for that at the theater those movies i can't stand because those movies are just loud equals funny 
and they're super slapsticky because they're just like, oh, look, person getting hurt. Haha, isn't that funny? It's like there needs to be more there. I feel yeah. like there needs to be something there well, that that's what I'm hooks saying. me like, in. You're not the. They're hitting every. They're hitting thirteen year olds, man. Fourteen. Oh yeah, so it's a seventeen year old. I don't doubt it. Like high schoolers are gonna fucking love Stray because it's dog saying bad words. It's like, haha, dog said fuck. Yeah, isn't that funny? It's that's like, what, okay. It's, yes, that's what I'm. I think the reason why com- comedies always they're hit or miss because. A lot of the time, I think they're aimed at the general public, and I'm like counterculture sometimes. So, like, if Same. the general public finds it funny, I'm gonna not find it funny. Yeah, and people hate me for it sometimes. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's just not that humorous, and I know if that. Nine <laughs> what out do of you want from me? <laughs> ten people find it funny. Why do I have to find it funny? You know, <laughs> it, and I'm not like those nine out of ten people. Mac is like, I am the tenth dentist that yeah. disapproves well, of this. World War Z, the eleventh man, baby. Yeah, exactly. If ten, if ten all agree, the eleventh man's got to find the reason why not exactly i'm there with you i'm the 12th man 12th man there we go (laughs) that could be our alternate podcast name yeah (laughs) Cary grant and the 12th man yeah (laughs) that's awesome uh that was our last answer so that's mine too honestly like i was kind of i was trying to think like i didn't want to hop on to musicals um um so like just to get a glimpse from me, I don't despise musicals. I'm not all for them. I'm more of a very neutral. I used to hate them, but I don't like to pile on the hate with musicals. Mm-hmm. And once you say, uh, it's kind of like Mario, the, mm-hmm. the Super Mario movie. Like For me, in my head, I go, that's what it's intended and designed to do. So I'm not going to sit here and, and back, you know, lash on it. Like It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Comedies, though. Comedies are a fucking art form that they get wrong constantly oh yeah 100%. and it's all because they target it and because you have to make sure that you get at least 40 percent of the people in that audience laughing and telling other people and that's not that's not my style yeah you know? that's why like the big lebowski like you say it's a cult film it's like yeah but it still rang more true to me and that's why it fell off because no one thought, thought it was funny mm-hmm. like oh brother where art thou oh brother where art thou Another kind of like kind of came and went, you know. Find it's hysterical. Like there, those types of movies, I really enjoy the humor in. So yeah, comedies to me are always the biggest misses, and the ones that hit the theaters are always the worst. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment. I, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite. I would still say musicals are probably for me. But you cop out, son of a bitch. I know I'm a dog piler for sure. <laughs> yeah. Your co-host is a piler, man. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I'm right there with them in the in the thick of it. But I think just personally, it's harder for me to get into, like we said before, uh, multiple times. And I think that when you have a good musical, it's really good. And then when you have a mediocre musical, to me, it's like, eh, this is kind of stinky. Like, uh, <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen is probably the worst musical I've seen. It could be, honestly. Like, it's about like a high school romance, sort of. Yeah. And... It's a musical that's done super fucking poorly. Like, not even the choreography or the songs are good. Like, I can't even remember what any of the songs are because they're so forgettable. Damn. And the guy who's supposed to play a high schooler is, like, 33 years old at the time they filmed it. So it's fucking whack as nice. shit just looking at him. <laughs> like, his face is like, oh, wow, this guy is signing up for AARP well, at the time on. of filming that's, this. That's casting. That's casting right there. You got to pick a point problem with casting, not the movie. Well, his dad was one of the producers on the movie. Oh, so no. You know, 
little bit. It, James Gunn critics, if you're out there listening, uh, you know, accusing him of nepotism, redirect your energy towards that other movie that I just that mentioned. No one's Dear ever, ever heard Hansen. of that's not making any move any money. Yeah, I, I fucking oh. flopped and tanked and crashed and burned. All the adjectives. Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, I should say verbs, uh, not adjectives. But adverbs. Sure. Okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. Sounds good to me. <laughs> it sounds good to me, too. Um, yeah, cool. I think we can start wrapping up, but first... Oh, yeah, and I'm not saying I'm shitting on anyone's point of view. I'm glad that you all said something and that you appreciate it and that you hate musicals. Uh, <laughs> we love you. Yes, also, before I forget, to thank you guys for leaving those for us. Yeah. I will put up another thread, a Q&A thread, or a question for the audience thread. Uh when and I'll see the difference. Out. So you have questions, and then you have a question for the audience. I mean, there's a couple different things. We gotta get one more on here. I like alternating between them. Yeah, it, it makes we gotta it get fresh. Like one more. We gotta figure out one more. Give us your worst scenario or something. Something. We'll yeah. think of something. Hey, if you were in the road, what character would you be? We'll just ask that. <laughs> Dead corpse number five. <laughs> person. Everyone just says person in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Skeleton in bed. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> oh my god! In a dress. Oh, dude, he's like he's, mattress. he's pulling out that fucking mattress. Yeah. So like in my head, I was like, so he goes up there, he's yanking the mattress. I was like, that'd be wise. Like have the mattress go over like the the, the hatch. hatch, right? I'm like, that's so smart. Like I don't know what he's doing it yet, right? And then mm. I'm like, for some reason, whatever in there was like, no, no, there. Look at him. He's so fucking broke. He's got. He's just like barely going off anything. He's gonna sleep on that piece of shit, dragging <laughs> it through the mud and rain. And I go out loud like. Picked a hell of a time to bring that down into the hatch. Yeah. Like, I had it right the whole time. Yeah. And then for some reason, I was like, he's so broken to spare, he's going to sleep for on For some that. reason, you doubted your own logic and the movie's logic and went, no, that's yeah. stupid. Yeah. I've got it better. He's going to bring it down there. And I was like, what an idiot. Yeah. God. How stupid are you, Vigo? Yeah. God. Dragging it through the mud. And, like, why don't you just wait till tomorrow? I literally was like, why don't you wait till tomorrow? <laughs> Get a load of this fucking guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he just throws it. You're and i was like of course well shit i was right the whole time of, fuck <laughs> of course yeah of, of course. course he was being smart about of it. course i was right damn it yeah well no i wasn't i was wrong because i literally well like, you were right and then you were wrong yeah some yeah and then you stuck with being wrong so then ultimately you <laughs> I, were wrong i did see it through and i had open dialogue yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> which is even more embarrassing <laughs> you had time to think about it <laughs> Oh, okay. Speaking of thinking, yeah, you got to think about what we're watching no, for the next you episode. Got to, so I told oh. you it's red pill, blue pill. Oh. Okay, now I'm gonna we're cut. circling back. I'm titling it "Waste or Space." Waste or space. So you get to pick waste or space. <sighs> okay, give me waste. Boom. Okay. So can I tell you what space was first before I go? Yes. Okay. So space on the flight, I watched Mission to Mars, which blew my fucking mind. Okay. So, wow. Oh. So that will get brought up and it was going to get paired with, uh, because in the late 90s, like there was a really heavy stream of space movies. Yeah. Like I didn't even, like, I was talking to my brother and we, I came up with, uh, I was going to say Mission to Mars, uh, Ghost of Mars. Red Planet, which is about going to Mars, uh-huh. and uh, my brother's like Rocket Man, you know. And mm. then I like Armageddon came out. These are all within two years of each other. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So, um, so I was gonna do that with one of those films. But okay, we'll, we'll, we're gonna channel that for the yeah. waste. 
Going back a little bit to Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I guess James Gunn loves... Oh, man. The uh, Lost Souls, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh. So, uh, we're going to watch... Now, you got to tell me if you're good with two instead of picking one from theaters. Okay. Because we can, but there is a... So, we're going to watch the Island of Dr. Moreau. That's got to be watched. All right. All right. Uh, Sweet. Which I don't know what we're walking into. I honestly have no idea. Uh, Yeah, I've never seen it before. uh, Based on a book, I believe. Yep. Uh, By H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. I was about to say. uh, War of the Worlds, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, That's right. And... Gunn loved that book so much in the maybe 1932 version of the movie, just Lost Souls. Mm. As some of the inspiration for the planet um, with the animals. I don't know what it was called. Earth 2? Counter-Earth. Oh, Counter-Earth. Counter-Earth. Yeah. Earth. That was some of the motivation. The second film is the documentary on the making of the Island of Dr. Moreau. It's called Lost Souls. Okay. Possibly the making of Doc, the island of Dr. Moreau. Lost souls. So is this the waste portion of uh, what you were alluding to? No. Well, <clears throat> so the island of Dr. Moreau is uh, labeled as one of the worst movies ever made. Oh, okay. So that's the waste part. But the intro, the reason why I wanted to pair them up together, one, we were talking about Val Kilmer. Mm. And when he was doing The Ghost in the Darkness, he, was, he just got done filming the island of Dr. Moreau, I believe. Okay, yeah, Marlon Brando, Val Kilmer. Yes. Marlon Brando in a 1996 movie? Dude, like, this movie was supposed to be fucking huge. and it, I guess, yeah. But that's why I want to watch the documentary with it. Okay. So I think what you should do, if we're doing it kind of like a pairing, okay. you should watch the movie first. Movie first. Get your whole perspective on it, and uh-huh. then watch the documentary. Okay. And then see what <clears throat> maybe would have changed or some of the differences. It's kind of like that interesting like the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is a good documentary about it. I don't think it's just like people talking heads. Because I think this guy's actually trying to make money. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So... We've got on the docket The Island of Dr. Moreau, 1996, with Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer. Yes. And Lost Souls, the documentary about the making of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Yes. So we've got those two on the docket. I'm cool with doing just those. I don't know if we need yeah. to include a theater pick or anything. No, I don't think so. We'll just another uh, we'll figure out another uh, Q&A or... Yeah, something. Yeah. We'll get something going. Yeah, name your favorite musical. <laughs> favorite musical. <laughs> I mean, but that could possibly be a question. Who knows? Um, <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us. If you don't want to be spoiled for The Island of Dr. Moreau and Lost Souls, the documentary on it, be sure to check those out before episode 48. Ooh. This episode will be out. Uh, it's coming Sunday. We're recording it a week uh, before it, a little bit less than that, but... Uh, thank you guys for listening. New episodes come out every other week. You can find us on www.neoncrewpodcast.com, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, we're slowly crawling up there. Follow our social media pages on Facebook and the YouTube community page. I'll post question threads or question for the audience or whatever else we figure out we want to do with it to engage with the audience and kind of have you participate with us in these episodes. And uh, get some merch. Our Etsy page still up. We still got some stock. And uh, get yourself a WWTHD shirt. I got that for Mac today. Believe that. He received it, <clears throat> and he's walking home with it. And Exciting. 
Yes. I just said that with an S. He was very, <laughs> he was so excited. He forgot the rest of the word. Yeah. He left out the other letters. You don't need them when yeah. you're talking about WWTHD. Excitement. Excitement. Exactly. <laughs> when you're as cited as Mac is, yeah. you can just jump right into any word you want and people will understand what you're saying. It's All awesome. words are made up words. Yeah. It's pretty some if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, speaking of some. Well, real quick. Yes. Yosemite, right? Yep. Best so, of luck. Thank you. I will be gone for over a week, but that shouldn't interrupt our podcast happening. So this episode will come out the same time it normally does, the same day, same schedule. Nice. But uh, nice. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'll hopefully squeeze some movies in on the plane or... At least two, I hope. I, I hope so, well, too. Well, maybe I'll save them. <clears throat> yeah we could big screen well i'm definitely gonna save the recommendations for when i come back yeah so yeah i might watch rr on the plane like i said and maybe squeeze in another kind of cheeser film who knows black adam i'm not gonna do that <laughs> no i've already suffered listen i've suffered you suffered why should i suffer again i'm not gonna remember my suffering oh i i remember mine <laughs> a year from now you're gonna listen to episode 47 yeah i remember my suffering is this 48 or 47 this is 47 yeah you're gonna be like listen to it and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about yeah and i'm gonna be suffering in silence as i think about drain my cock johnson oh <laughs> that's what i call him nowadays yeah anyway speaking of actors mac what are our parting words same thing I say to my friends in public bathrooms, WWTHD. Bye, everyone. <laughs>